Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and In these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my ENT world. Um, there you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live. Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recordings. You can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast we have so much content happening right now um but you're here for corona cold reads for shakespeare um so these are cold reads for the most part uh, our actors did not have more than a day maybe two if they're lucky um to look over the text if they wanted to most of them didn't have the chance to so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that there will be some rocky moments and sometimes when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their zoom on mute or you know how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. Troilus and Cressida is up next. So before we embarked upon this project, Troilus and Cressida was the only play in the entire canon that I had never read or seen. Um, So I was really excited to sort of take a shot at it um, and really see what this is all about. And it's an interesting play. It is, there's a reason why it's not one of the most prominent. It is certainly not the most thrilling and, and you can see some of the ways that Shakespeare's uh, romantic language still needed to evolve. Um, And it, it has its issues hasn't aged super beautifully, but it is a really interesting play. Um, and it is unique in that it's dealing with, um, famous characters, which I don't know that that happens really anywhere else in the canon, apart from a few, you know, Cymbeline has some gods, Tempest has some gods and things, but for the most part, you're dealing with new characters or characters that Shakespeare borrowed from other stories, but they weren't sort of like legends in their own right. Um, Whereas this story has Hector and Agamemnon and Paris and Ajax and Achilles. Like 
these are famous, famous characters. Um, so it was really interesting to sort of take them on and see them in a new light. Um, uh, Achilles, for example, absolutely ridiculous character. Ajax, totally sort of essentially like a, a strange jock kind of guy. Um, Ulysses is in this play and he's this sort of like strange nerdy fellow, which is just really fun. Um, Nicole Falgu plays him and he's just delightful. Christopher Prentice was our Agamemnon. Andrew Patty joined us as Paris, which was a lot of fun. Um, and this was also the play where we discovered one of our new favorite pairings, which is Nicanor Campos and Elizabeth Morris paired together as Troilus and Cressida. Um, they had never actually worked together before, despite being in the Corona Cold Reads troupe for quite a while. I just, for some reason, had never thought to cast them opposite each other. And there is some magical chemistry between these two total strangers. And their Troilus and Cressida scenes really pop in it. They're really beautiful. They're really heartbreaking. So that was one of the great discoveries and probably the memorable thing about Troilus and Cressida, apart from those famous characters, which were fun to see. Um, was that the romance really comes through really beautifully in this reading. Um, and it really makes Troilus and Cressida stand out despite being, you know, arguably a lesser play. So um, I hope that comes through for you. It certainly is what we took away from this reading. So I hope you enjoy. In Troy, there lies the sea. From the isles of Greece, the princes Orgulus, their high blood chafed, have to the port of Athens sent their ships, fraught with the ministers and instruments of cruel war. Sixty and nine, that wore their crown its regal, from the Athenian bay put forth towards Phrygia, and their vow is made to ransack Troy, within whom strong Emerge, the ravished Helen, Melenus queen, with wanton Paris sleeps, and that's the quarrel. To Tainus they come, and the deep-drawing barks do they disgorge, their warlike frottage. Now on the Dardan plains, the fresh and yet unbruised Greeks do pitch their brave pavilions. Prime six skate city, Dardan and Timbria, Helenus, Chaitis, Troyan, and Antrionis, with massy staples and correspondent, fulfilling bolts, bear up the sons of Troy, now expectation, tickling skittish spirits on one and the other side, the Trojan and Greek set all on hazard, and hither am I come, a prologued arm, but not in confidence of author's pen or actor's voice, but suited in like conditions as our argument to tell you, fair beholders, that our play leaps o'er the vaunt and firstlings of those broils, beginning in the middle, starting thence away to what may be digested in a play. Like or find fault, do as your pleasures are. Now, good or bad, tis but the chance of war. Scene one, Troy before Priam's palace, enter Troilus armed and panderous. Call here my varlet, all on arm again. Why should I war without the walls of Troy that finds such cruel battle here within? Each Trojan that is master of his heart, let him to field. Troilus, alas, hath none. Will this gear never be mended? The Greeks are strong and skillful to their strength, fierce to their skill and to their fierceness, valiant. 
but I am weaker than a woman's tear, tamer than sleep, fonder than ignorance, less valiant than the virgin in the night, and skillless as unpracticed infancy. Well, I have told you enough of this. For my part, I'll not meddle nor make no further. He that will have a cake out of the wheat must needs tarry the grinding. Why not tarried? Aye, the grinding, but you must tarry the bolting. Have I not tarried? Aye, the bolting, but you must tarry the leavening. Still have I tarried? Aye, to the leavening, but here's yet in the word hereafter, the kneading, the making of the cake, the heating of the oven, and the baking. Nay, you must stay the cooling too, where you may chance to burn your lips. Patience herself, what goddess e'er she be, doth lesser blench at sufferance than I do. At Priam's royal table do I sit, and when fair Cressid comes into my thoughts, so traitor, when she comes, when is she thence? Well, she looked yesternight fairer than ever I saw her look, or any woman else. I was about to tell thee, when my heart, as wedged with a sigh, would writhe in twain, lest Hector or my father would perceive me, I have, as when the sun doth light a storm, buried this sigh in wrinkle of a smile. But sorrow that is couched in seeming gladness is like that mirth fate turns to sudden sadness. And her hair were not somewhat darker than Helen's. Well, go to. There were no more comparison between the women. But for my part, she is my kinswoman. I would not, as they term it, praise her, but I would somebody had heard her talk yesterday, as I did. I will not dispraise your sister Cassandra's wit, but... Oh, Pandarus. I tell thee, Pandarus, when... I tell thee, Pandarus, when I do tell thee, there my hopes lie drowned, reply not in how many fathoms deep they lie endrenched. I tell thee, I am mad for Cressid's love. Thou answerest, she's fair. Poorest in the open ulcer of my heart, her eyes, her hair, her cheek, her gait, her voice, handlest in thy discourse, oh, that her, that, her hand, in whose comparison all whites are ink, writing their own reproach, to whose soft seizure the signet's down is harsh, and spirit of sense hard as the palm of plowman. This thou tell'st me, as true thou tell'st me, when I say I love her. But saying thus, Instead of oil and balm, thou layest in every gash that love hath given me the knife that made it. I speak no more than truth. Thou dost not speak so much. Faith, I'll not meddle in it. Let her be as she is. If she be fair, tis better for her. And she be not, she has the men's in her own hands. Good, Pandarus. How, how now, Pandarus? I have had my labor for my travail. Ill thought on of her and ill thought on of you. Gone between and between, but small thanks for my labor. What? Not thou angry, Pandarus? What, with me? Because she's kin to me, therefore she's not so fair as Helen. And oh. she were not kin to me, she would be as fair on Friday as Helen is on Sunday. But what care I? I care not. And she were a black amour, tis all one to me. Oh, say I, she is not fair? I do not care whether you do or no. She's a fool to stay behind her father. Let her to the Greeks, and so I'll tell her the next time I see her. For my part, I'll meddle nor make no more in the matter. 
Pandarus. Not I. Sweet Pandarus. Pray you speak no more to me. I will leave all as I found it, and there an end. Exit Pandarus and Alarum. Peace, you ungracious clamors. Peace, rude sounds. Fools on both sides. Helen must needs be fair when with your blood you daily paint her thus. I cannot fight upon this argument. It is too starved a subject for my sword. But Pandarus, oh gods, how do you plague me? I cannot come to Cressid but by Pander. And he's as tetchy to be wooed to as he's as tetchy to be wooed to woo. But she is stubborn chaste against all suit. Tell me, Apollo, for thy Daphne's love, what Cressid is, what Pander, and what we. Her bed is India, there she lies, a pearl. Between our Ilium and where she resides, let it be called the wild and wandering flood. Herself the merchant, and this sailing pander, our doubtful hope, our convoy, and our bark. How now, Prince Troilus? Uh, Wherefore not a field? Because not there. This woman's answer sorts for womanish it is to be from thence. What news Aeneas today from the field? That uh, Paris is returned home and hurt. By whom, Aeneas? Troilus, by Menelaus. Let Paris bleed is but a scar to scorn. Paris is gored with Menelaus horn. <laughs> oh, hark, what a good sport is out of town today. Uh, better at home, if would I might were may. But to the sport abroad, are you bound thither? In all swift haste. Come. Go we then together. Scene hmm? two, the same as street. Enter Cressida and Alexander. Who are those went by? Queen Hecuba and Helen. And whither go they? Up to the eastern tower, whose height commands a subject all the vale to see the battle. Hector, whose patience is as a virtue, fixed today and was moved. He chide Andromache and struck his armor. And, like as there were husbandry in war, before the sun rose, he was harnessed light, and to the field he goes, where every flower did, as prophet, weep what it foresaw in Hector's wrath. What was his cause of anger? The noise goes this. There is among the Greeks a lord of Trojan blood, nephew to Hector. They call him Ajax. Good. And what of him? They say he is a very man, per se, and and stand alone. (laughs) So do all men. 
Unless they are drunk, sick, or have no legs. This man, lady, hath robbed many beasts of their particular additions. He is as valiant as the lion, churlish as the bear, slow to, as the elephant. A man into whom nature hath so crowded humors that his valor is crushed into folly, his folly sauced with discretion. There is no man hath a virtue that he hath not a glimpse of, nor any man an attaint, but he carries some stain of it. He is a melancholy without cause, and merry against the hair. He hath the joints of everything, but everything so out of joint that he is a gouty briaris, many hands and no use, or purblind argus, all eyes and no sight. But how should this man that makes me smile make Hector angry? They say he yesterday copped Hector in the battlefield and struck him down. The disdain and shame whereof hath ever since kept Hector fasting and waking. Who comes here? Madam, your uncle Pandrus. Pander Pandrus. Hector's a gallant man. As may be in the world, lady. What's that? What's that? Good morrow, Uncle Pandarus. Good morrow, Cousin Cressid. What do you talk of? Good morrow, Alexander. How do you, cousin? When were you at Ilium? This morning, Uncle. What were you talking of when I came? Was Hector armed and gone ere ye came to Ilium? Helen was not up, was she? Hector was gone, but Helen was not up. Even so, Hector was stirring early. Well, that were we talking of. And his anger. Was he angry? So he says here. True, he was so. I know the cause, too. He'll lay about him today. I can tell them that. And there's Troilus. will not come far behind him. Let them take heed of Troilus. I can tell them that, too. What? Is he angry, too? Who? Troilus? Troilus is the better man of the two. Oh, Jupiter! There's no comparison. What? Not between Troilus and Hector? Do you know a man if you see him? Aye, if ever I saw him before and knew him. Well, I say, Troilus is Troilus. Then you say as I say, for I am sure he is not Hector. No, nor Hector is not Troilus in some degrees. Tis just to each of them. He is himself. Himself? <laughs> Alas, poor Troilus, I would he were. So he is. Condition. I had gone barefoot to India. <laughs> he is not Hector. Himself. No, he's not himself. What a were himself. Well, the gods are above. Time must friend or end. Well, Troilus, well, I would my heart were in her body. No, Hector is not a better man than Troilus. Excuse me. He is elder. Pardon me, pardon me. The others not come to it. You shall tell me another tale. When the others come to it, Hector shall not have his wit this year. <laughs> he shall not need it if he have his own. Nor his qualities. No matter. Nor his beauty. T'would not become him. His own's better. You have no judgment, niece. Helen herself swore the other day that Troilus, for brown favor, for so tis, I must confess, not brown neither. 
No, no, not brown. Please, to say truth, brown and not brown. To say the truth, true and not true. She praised his complexion above Paris. My Paris hath color enough. So he has. Then Troilus should have too much. If she praised him above, his complexion is higher than his. He having color enough and the other higher is too flaming a praise for good complexion. I had as leaf Helen's golden tongue had commended Troilus for a copper nose. I swear to you, I think Helen loves him better than Paris. Then she's a merry Greek indeed. Nay, I am sure she does. She came to him the other day into the compassed window, and you know he has not passed three or four hairs on his chin. <laughs> Indeed, a tapster's arithmetic may soon bring his particulars therein to a total. <laughs> Why, he is very young, and yet will he, within three pound, lift as much as his brother Hector? Is he so young a man and so old a lifter? But to prove to you that Helen loves him, she came and put me her white hand to his cloven chin. Juno, have mercy. How came it cloven? Why, you know, tis dimpled. I think his smiling becomes him better than any man in all Phrygia. Oh, he smiles valiantly. Does he not? Oh, yes, and for a cloud in autumn. Why, go to then, but to prove to you that Helen loves Troilus. Troilus will stand to the proof, if you prove it so. Troilus, why, he esteems her no more than I esteem an addle egg. If you love an addle egg as well as you love an idle head, you would eat the chickens in the shell. <laughs> I cannot choose but laugh to think how she tickled his chin. Indeed, she has a marvelous white hand, I must needs confess. Oh, without the rack. And she takes upon her to spy a white hair on his chin. Oh, alas. Poor chin. Many a wart is richer. But there was such laughing. Queen Hecuba laughed that her eyes ran o'er. With millstones. And Cassandra laughed. But there was more temperate fire under the pot of her eyes. Did her eyes run o'er too? And Hector laughed. At what was all this laughing? Mary, at the white hair that Helen spied on Troilus' chin. And had been a green hair, I should have laughed too. They laughed not so much at the hair as at his pretty answer. What was his answer? Quoth she, here's but two and fifty hairs on your chin, and one of them is white. That is her question. That's true. Make no question of that. Two and fifty hairs, quoth he, and one white. That white hair is my father, and all the rest are his sons. Jupiter, quoth he, quoth she. Which of these hairs is Paris, my husband? The forked one, quoth he, plucked out and give it to him. But there was such laughing, and Helen so blushed, and Paris so chafed, and all the rest so laughed that it passed. So let it now, for it has been a great while going by. Well, cousin, I told you a thing yesterday. Think on it. So I do. I'll be sworn tis true. He will weep you, and twere a man born in April. And I'll spring up in his tears and twere a nettle against May. A retreat sounded. Hark! They are coming from the field. Shall we stand up here and see them as they pass toward Ilium? G good niece, do. Sweet niece, Cressida. Mm. 
at your pleasure. Here, here, here's an excellent place. Here we may see most bravely. I'll tell you them all by their names as they pass by, but mark Troilus about the rest. Speak not so loud. Aeneas passes. That's Aeneas. Is not that a brave man? He's one of the flowers of Troy, I can tell you. But mark Troilus, you shall see anon. And Antenor passes. Who's that? That's Antenor. He has a shrewd wit, I can tell you. And he's a man good enough. He's one of the soundest judgments in whosoever and a proper man of person. When comes Troilus, I'll show you Troilus anon. If he see me, you shall see him nod at me. Will he give you the nod? Oh, you shall see. <laughs> if he do, the rich shall have more. Hector passes. Ah, that's Hector. That, that, look you, that. There's the fellow. Go thy way, Hector. There's a brave man, niece. Oh, brave Hector. Look how he looks. There's a countenance. It's not a brave man. Oh, a brave man. Is it not? It does a man's heart good. Look you, what hacks are in his helmet. Look you, yonder, do you see? Look you there. There's no jesting. There's laying on. Take it off. Who will, as they say? There he hacks. Be those with swords. Swords? Anything. He cares not, and the devil come to him. It's all one. By God's lid, it does one's heart good. Oh, yonder comes Paris. Yonder comes Paris. Paris passes. Look ye yonder, niece. It's not a ma gallant man, too, is not? Why, this is brave now. Who said he came hurt home today? He's not hurt. Why, this will do Helen's heart good now. <laughs> what I would see Troilus now. You, you shall see Troilus anon. Helenus passes. Who's that? That's Helenus. I marvel where Troilus is. That's Helenus. I think he went not forth today. That, that's Helenus. Can Helenus fight, uncle? Helenus, no. Yes, he'll fight indifferent well. I marvel where Troilus is. Hark, do you not hear the people cry Troilus? Helenus um, is a priest. What sneaking fellow comes yonder? Troilus. Yonder? Well, that's Diphobus. Tis Troilus. There's a man, niece, him, brave Troilus, the prince of chivalry. Peace, for shame, peace. Mark him, note him. Oh, brave Troilus. Look well upon him, niece. Look how his sword is bloodied and his helm more hacked than Hector's. And how he looks and how he goes. Oh, admirable youth. But never saw three and twenty. Go thy way, Troilus, go thy way. Had I a sister were a grace or a daughter a goddess, he should take his choice. Oh, admirable man. Paris, Paris is dirt to him. And I warrant, Helen, to change would give an eye to boot. Here come more. Horses pass. Asses, fools, dolt, chaff and bran, chaff and bran, porridge after meat. I could live and die in the eyes of Troilus. Ne'er look, ne'er look. The eagles are gone, crows and daws, crows and daws. I had rather be such a man as Troilus than Agamemnon and all Greece. There is among the Greeks Achilles, a better man than Troilus. Achilles, a dry man, a porter, a very camel. Well, well. Well, well. Why, have you any discretion? Have you any eyes? Do you know what a man is? Is not birth, beauty, good shape, discourse, manhood, learning, gentleness, virtue, youth, liberality, and such like the spice and salt that season a man? I, a minced man, and then to be baked with no date in a pie, for then the man's date's out. You are such a woman. One knows not at what ward you lie. 
upon my back to defend my belly, upon my wit to defend my wiles, upon my secrecy to defend my honesty, my mask to defend my beauty, and you to defend all these. At all these wards I lie at a thousand watches. Hey, one of your watches. Nay, I'll watch you for that. And that's one of the chiefest of them, too. If I cannot ward what I would not have hit, I can watch you for telling how I took the blow. Unless it swell past hiding, <laughs> then it's past watching. You are such another. <laughs> Troilus's boy. Sir, my lord would instantly speak with you. Where? At your own house. There he unarms him. Good boy, tell him I come. Exit boy. I doubt he be hurt. Fare ye well, good niece. Adieu, uncle. I'll be with you, niece, by and by. To bring, uncle? I, a token from Troilus. By the same token, you are a bod. Exit Pandarus. Words, vows, gifts, tears, and love's full sacrifice he offers in another's enterprise. But more in Troilus thousandfold I see than in the glass of Pander's praise may be. Yet hold I off. Women are angels wooing. Things won are done. Joy's soul lies in the doing. That she beloved knows not that knows not this. Men prize the thing ungained more than it is. That she was never yet, that ever knew, love got so sweet as when desire did sue. Therefore, this maxim out of love I teach. Achievement is command. Ungained, beseech. Then though my heart's content, firm love doth bear, nothing of that shall from my eyes appear. Exit. Scene three, the Grecian camp, before Agamemnon's tent. Senate, enter Agamemnon, Nestor, Ulysses, Menelaus, and others. Princes, what grief hath set the jaundice on your cheeks? The ample proposition that hope makes in all designs begun on earth below fails in the promised largeness. Checks and disasters grow in the veins of actions highest reared as knots by the conflux of meeting sap. Infect the sound pine, divert his grain, tortive and errand from his course of growth. Nor, princes, is it matter new to us that we come short of our suppose so far that after seven years' siege, yet Troy walls stand, sith every action that hath gone before, whereof we have record. Trial did draw bias and thwart, not answering the aim and that unbodied figure of the thought that gave surmised shape. Why then, you princes, do you with cheeks abashed behold our works and call them shames, which are indeed not else but the protractive trials of great Jove to find persistive constancy in men, the fineness of which metal is not found in fortune's love, for then the bold and coward, the wise and fool, the artist and unread, the hard and soft seem all affined and kin, but in the wind and tempest of her frown, distinction with a broad and powerful fan, puffing it all, winnows the light away. And what hath mass or matter by itself lies rich in virtue and unmingled. 
With due observance of thy godlike seat, great Agamemnon, Nestor shall apply thy latest words. In the reproof of chance lies the true proof of men, the sea being smooth. How many shallow bobble boats dare sail upon her patient breast, making their way with those of nobler bulk? But let the ruffian Boreas once enrage the gentle Thetis, and anon behold the strong ribbed bark through liquid mountains cut, bounding between the two moist elements like Perseus' horse. Where's then the saucy boat whose weak untimbered sides but even now co-rivaled greatness, either to harbor fled or made a toast for Neptune? Even so doth valor's show and valor's worth divide in storms of fortune, for in her ray and brightness the herd hath more annoyance by the breeze than by the tiger. But when the splitting wind makes flexible the knees of knotted oaks and flies fled under shade, why then the thing of courage, as roused with rage, with rage doth sympathize, and with an accent tuned in self-same key retorts to chiding fortune. Agamemnon, thou great commander, nerve and bone of Greece, heart of our numbers, soul and only spirit, in whom the tempers and the minds of all should be shut up, hear what Ulysses speaks. Besides the applause and approbation to which most mighty for thy place and sway, and thou most reverend for thy stretched out life, I give to both your speeches, which were such as Agamemnon and the hand of Greece should hold up high in brass, and such again as venerable Nestor hatched in silver should with a bond of air, strong as the axle tree on which heaven rides, knit all the Greekish ears to his experienced tongue. Yet let it please both, thou great and wise, to hear Ulysses speak. Speak, <clears throat> Prince of Ithaca. And be it of less expect that matter needles, needless and importless burden divide thy lips, than we are confident when rank Thersides opes his mastic jaws, we shall hear music, wit, and oracle. Troy, yet upon his basis, had been down, and the great Hector's sword had lacked a master, but for these instances. The specialty of rule hath been neglected, and Look, how many Grecian tents do stand up hollow upon this plain? So many hollow factions. When that the general is not like the hive to whom the forager shall all repair, what honey is expected? Degree being visited, the unworthiest shows as fairly in the mask. The heavens themselves, the planets, and the center observe degree, priority, and place, instature, course. Proportion, season, form, office, and custom, all, in all line of order, and therefore is the glorious planet soul, in noble eminence enthroned and sphered amidst the other, whose medicinable eye corrects the ill aspects of planet's evil, and posts like the commandment, commandment of a king, sans check to good and bad. But when the planets in evil mixture to disorder wander, what plagues and what portents, what mutiny, what mutiny, what raging of the sea, shaking of earth, commotion in the winds, fright, changes, horrors, divert and crack, rend and decrinate, or <laughs> uh, the unity and married calm of states, quite from their fixture, 
Owen DeGree is Shake It, which is the ladder to all high designs, then Enterprise is Sick. How could communities, degrees in schools, brotherhoods in, and brotherhoods in cities, peaceful commerce from dividable shores, and the primogenitive and due of birth, prerogative of age, crowns, scepters, laurels, but by degree stand in authentic place. Take but degree away, untune that string and hark what discord follows. Each thing meets in mere a pungency and the bounded waters should lift their bosoms higher than the shores and make a sop of all this solid globe. Strength should be the Lord of imbecility and the rude son should strike his father dead. Force should be right, or rather right and wrong, between whose endless jar justice resides, should lose their names, and so should justice too. Then everything includes itself in power, power into will, will into appetite, and appetite a, a universal wolf. So doubly seconded with will and power, must make perforce a universal prey. And last, eat up himself. Great Agamemnon, this chaos, when degree is suffocate, follows the choking. And this neglection of degree, it is that by a pace goes backward. With a purpose it has to climb. The generals disdained by him one step below, he by the next, that next by him beneath, so every step, exampled by the first pace that is sick of his superior, grows to an envious fever of pale and bloodless emulation. And tis this favor that keeps Troy on foot, not her own sinews. To end a tale of length, Troy in our weakness stands, not in her strength. Most wisely hath Ulysses here discovered the fever whereof all our power is sick. The nature of the sickness found, Ulysses, what is the remedy? The great Achilles, whom opinion crowns the sinew and fore forehand of our host, having his ear full of his airy fame, grows dainty of his worth, and in his tent lies mocking our designs. With him Patroclus upon a lazy bed in the live long, di the live long day breaks scurl jest. And with the ridiculous and awkward action which slanderer he imitation calls, he pageants us. Sometime great, great Agamemnon, thy topless deputation he puts on, and like a strutting player whose conceit lies in his hamstring, and doth think it rich to hear the wooden dialogue and sound twixt his stretched footing in a scaffoldage, such to be pitied and o'errested seeming, he acts, greatness, he acts thy greatness in. And when he speaks, tis like a chime amending with terms unsquared, which from the tongue of, of roaring typhon dropped would seem hyperboles. At this fusty stuff, the large Achilles on his pressed bed, lolling from his deep chest, laughs out and laws in loud applause, cries, excellent, tis Agamemnon just. Now play me, Nestor, hem and strike thy beard as he being dressed to some oration. That's done, as near as the extremist ends of parallels, as like as Vulcan and his wife. Yet God Achilles still cries, excellent, tis Nestor right. Now play him, me, Patroclus, arming to answer in the night alarm. And then forsooth, the faint defects of age must be the scene of mirth, to cough and spit, and with a palsy fumbling on his grodget, shake in and out the rivet. And at this sport, 
Sir Valor dies, cries, Oh, enough, Patroclus, or give me ribs of steel. I shall split all in pleasure of my spleen. And in this fashion, all our abilities, gifts, nature, shapes, severals and generals of grace, exact, achievements, plots, orders, preventions, excitements to the field, or speeches, or speech for truth, such or loss, what is or is not, serves as stuff for these two to make paradoxes. And in the imitation of these twain, who, as Ulysses says, opinion crowns with an imperial voice, many are in fact. Ajax is grown self-willed and bears his head in such a reign, in full as proud a place as broad Achilles, keeps his tent like him, makes factious feasts, rails on our state of war, bold as an oracle, and sets Thersites, a slave whose gall coins slanders like a mint, to match us in comparisons with dirt, to weaken and discredit our exposure, how rank soever rounded in with danger. They tax our policy and call it cowardice, count wisdom as no member of the war, forestall prescience, and esteem no act but that of hand. The still and mental parts that do contrive how many lands shall strike when fitness calls on them, calls them on, and know by measure of their observant toil the enemy's weight. Why, this hath not a finger's dignity. They call this bedwork, mappery, closet war, so that the ram that batters down the wall for the great swing and rudeness of his poise, they place before his hand that made the engine or those that with, or those that with the fineness of their souls by reason guide his execution. Let this be granted, and Achilles' horse makes many Thetis' sons. I took it. What trumpet? Look, Menelaus. From Troy. Enter Aeneas. What would you for our tent? Um, is this a great Agamemnon's tent, I pray you? Even this? Maybe one that is a herald and a prince do a fair message to his kingly ear. With surety stronger than Achilles' arm for all the Greekish heads, which with one voice call Agamemnon head and general. Fair leave and large security. How may a stranger to these most imperial looks know them from the eyes of other mortals? How? I, I ask that I uh, might wake in reverence and bid the cheek be ready with a blush, uh, modest as morning when the coldly eyes the youthful Phoebus, which is that God in office guiding men, uh, which is the high and mighty Agamemnon? This Trojan scorns us, for the men of Troy are ceremonious courtiers. Courtiers are free, as a debonair unarmed as bending angels, that their fame and peace. But when they would seem soldiers, they have galls, uh, good arms, uh, strong joints, true swords, and Jove's accord. Nothing so full of heart, but uh, peace, Aeneas. The worthiness of praise sustains his worth. If that the uh, praise himself, bring the praise forth. But what the repining enemy commends, that a uh, breath fame blows, that praise soul sure transcends. Sir, you of Troy, call yourself Aeneas. I Greek, that is my name. What's your affair, I pray you? Sir, pardon, tis for Aeneas, for, oh, Sorry, I talking to myself a little bit there. Just for Agamemnon's ears. 
He hears not privately that comes from Troy. Nor I from Troy come not to whisper him. I bring a, a, a trumpet to wake his ear, to set his sense on the attentive bent, and then to speak. Speak frankly as the wind. It is not Agamemnon's sleeping hour, that that thou shalt know. Trojan, he is awake. He tells thee so himself. Trumpet blow loud. Send thy brass voice through all these lazy tents, and every Greek of metal let him know what Troy means fairly shall be spoke aloud. We have a great Agamemnon here in Troy, a prince called Hector. Priam is his father, who in this dull and long-continued truce is rusty-grown. He bade me take a trumpet and to this purpose speak. Kings, princes, lords, if there be one among the fairest of Greece that holds his honor higher than his ease, that seeks his praise more than he fears his peril, that knows his valor and knows not his fear, that uh, loves his mistress uh, more than in confession, with truant vows to her own lips he loves, and dare avow her beauty and her worth and other arms than hers to him. This challenge, Hector, in view of Trojans and of Greeks, shall make it good, or do his best to do it. He hath a lady wiser, fairer, truer, that every Greek did compass in his arms, and uh, will tomorrow, with his trumpet call, midway between your tents and walls of Troy, to uh, arouse a Grecian that is true in love. Uh, if any come, Hector shall honor him. If none, he'll uh, say in Troy when he retires, the Grecian dames are sunburnt and not worth the splinter of a lance, even so much. This shall be told our lovers, Lord Aeneas. If none of them have soul in such a kind, we left them all at home. But we are soldiers, and may that soldier a mere recreant prove that means not, hath not, or is not in love. If then one is, or hath, or means to be, that one meets Hector. If none else, I am he. Tell him of Nestor, one that was a man when Hector's grandsire sucked. He is old now, but if there be not in our Grecian host one noble man that hath one spark of fire to answer for his love, tell him from me I'll hide my silver beard in a gold beaver, and in my vant brace put this withered brawn. And meeting him will tell him that my lady was fairer than his grandam, and as chaste as may be in the world. His youth in flood, I'll prove this truth with three drops of my blood. Now heavens forbid such scarcity of youth. Amen. Fair Lord Aeneas, let me touch your hand. To our pavilion shall I lead you, sir. Achilles shall have word of this intent. So shall each lord of Greece from tent to tent. Yourself shall feast with us before you go and find the welcome of a noble foe. Exempt all but Ulysses and Nestor. Nestor. What says Ulysses? I have a young conception in my brain. Be you my time to bring it to some shape. What is it? This tis. Blunt wedges rive hard knots. 
the seated pride that hath to this maturity blown up in rank Achilles must now or must or now be cropped or shedding breed a nursery of like evil to over bulk over bulk us all well and how this challenge that the gallant hector sends however it is spread in general name relates in purpose only to achilles the purpose is perspicuous even as substance whose grossness little characters sum up and in the publication make no strain but that achilles were his brain as barren as banks of libya though apollo knows tis dry enough will with great speed of judgment i with celerity find hector's purpose pointing on him and wake him to the answer thank you yes tis most meet who may you else suppose that can from hector bring his honor off if not achilles Though it be a sportful combat, yet in the trial much opinion dwells. For here the Trojans taste our dearest repute with their finest palate. And trust me, Ulysses, our imputation shall be oddly poised in this wild action. For the success, although particular, shall give a scantling of good or bad unto the general. And in such indexes, although small pricks to their subsequent volumes, there is seen the baby figure of the giant mass of things to come at large. It is supposed he that meets Hector issues from our choice, and choice, being mutual act of all our souls, makes merit her election, and doth boil, as twere from us all, a man distilled out of our virtues, whom is carrying what heart receives from hence the conquering part to steal a strong opinion to themselves, which entertained limbs are his instruments, and no less working than our swords and bows directive by the limbs. Give pardon to my speech. Therefore, tis meet Achilles meet not Hector. Let us like merchants show our foulest wares and think perchance they'll sell. If not the luster of the better yet to show shall show the better. Do not consent that ever Hector and Achilles meet, for both our honor and our shame in this are dogged with two strange followers. I see them not with my old eyes. What are they? What glory our Achilles shares from Hector, were he not proud, we should we all should share with him but he already is too insolent too insolent and we were better parched in Africa's son than in the pride and salt scorn of his eyes should he escape hector fair if he were foiled why then we did our main opinion crush and taint of our best man no make a lottery and by device let blockish ajax draw the sort of the sort to fight with Hector among ourselves give, give him allowance for the better man for that will physic the great Myrmidon who broils in loud applause and makes him fall his crest that prouder than blue iris bends if the dull brainless Ajax comes safe off we'll dress him up in voices if he fail Yet go we under our opinion still that we have the we have better men. But hit or miss, our project's life this shape of sense assumes. Ajax employed plucks down Achilles' plumes. Ulysses, now I begin to relish thy advice, and I will give a taste of it forthwith to Agamemnon. Go we to him straight. Two curs shall tame each other. Pride alone must tarry the mastiffs on as twere their bone. 
Excellent. Act two, scene one, a part of the Grecian camp. Enter Ajax and Thersites. Thersites! Agamemnon, how if he had boils full all over, generally? Thersites! And those boils did run. Say so. Did not the general run then? Or <laughs> not that a botchy core? Dog! Then would come some matter from him. I see none now. Thou bitch wolf son, canst thou not hear? Eating him. Feel then, huh? The plague of Greece upon thee, thou mongrel beef witted lord. Oh, speak then, thou vineyard living speak. I will beat thee into handsomeness. Shall sooner rail thee into wit and holiness, but I think thy horse will sooner con an oration than thou learn a prayer without a book. Oh, thou canst strike, canst thou? A red moraine on thy jade's tricks. Toadstool, learn me the proclamation. Dost thou think I have no sense thou strikest me thus? The proclamation! Thou art proclaimed a fool, I think. Oh, do not, Porpentine, do not. My fingers itch. I would, thou didst itch from head to toe, and I had the scratching of thee. I would make thee the loathsomest scab in Greece. When thou art forth in the incursions, thou strikest as slow as another. I say the proclamation. Thou grumblest and railest every hour on Achilles, and thou art as full of envy at his greatness as Cerberus is at Proserpine's beauty, aye, that thou barkest at him. Mistress Thersites, thou shouldst strike him. Cobloaf! He would pun thee into shivers with his fist as a sailor breaks a biscuit. You horse and cur! Oh, do! Do! Thou stool for a witch! I do, do, thou sodden witted lord. Thou hast no more brain than I have in mine elbows. And Asinego may tutor thee, thou scurvy valiant ass. Thou art here but to thrash Trojans, and thou art bought and sold among those of any wit like a barbarian slave. If thou used to beat me, I will begin at thy heel and tell what thou art by inches, thou thing of no bowels, thou. You dog. You scurvy lord. You <coughs> Mars, his idiot, do, rudeness. Do, camel, do, do. Enter Achilles and Patrick Patroclus. Why, how now, Ajax? Wherefore do you thus? How now, Thersites? What's the matter, man? You see him there, do you? Aye, what's the matter? Nay, look upon him. So I do. What's the matter? Nay, but regard him well. Well, why, I do so. But yet you look not well upon him, for whosoever you take him to be, he is Ajax. I know that, fool. Aye, but that fool knows not himself. Therefore I beat thee. Lo, 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 what modicums of wit he utters. His evasions have ears thus long. I have bobbed his brain more than he has beat my bones. Oh. I will buy nine sparrows for a penny 
and his piamater is not worth the ninth part of a sparrow. This lord, Achilles, Ajax, who wears his wit in his belly and his guts in his head, I'll tell you what I say of him. What? I say this Ajax. Uh, nay, good Ajax. Has not so much wit. Uh, nay, I must hold you. As will stop the eye of Helen's needle for whom he comes to fight. Peaceful. Have peace and quietness, but the fool will not. He there, that he, look you there! Thou damned curler, I shall. Will you set your wit to a fool's? No, I warrant you, for a fool's will shame it. Good words, Therites. What's the quarrel? I bade the vile owl go learn me the tenor of the proclamation, and he rails upon me. I serve thee not. Well, go to, go to. I serve here voluntarily. Your last service was sufferance, was not voluntary. No man is beaten voluntary. Ajax was here the voluntary and you as under an impress. Even so, a great deal of your wit too lies in your sinews or else there be liars. Hector have a great catch if he knock out either of your brains, and were as good crack a fusty nut with no kernel. What, with me too, Thersides? There's Ulysses and old Nestor, whose wit was moldy ere your grandsires had nails on their toes. Yoke you like draft oxen and make you plow up the wars. What, what? Yes, good sooth, to Achilles, to Ajax, too. I shall cut out your tongue. That is no matter. I shall speak as much as thou afterwards. No more words, Thersides. Peace. I will hold my peace when Achilles Brock bids me, shall I? Oh, there's for you, Patroclus. <laughs> I will see you hanged like clot poles ere I come any more to your tents. I will keep where there is wit stirring and leave the faction of fools. Exit. A good riddance. Mary, this, sir, is proclaimed through all our host, that Hector, by the fifth hour of the sun, will, with a trumpet twixt our tents and Troy, tomorrow morning call some knight to arm that hath a stomach, and such a one that dare maintain, I know not what, tis trash. Farewell. Farewell. Who shall answer him? I know not. Tis puts a lottery. <laughs> Otherwise, he knew his man. Oh, meaning you. I will go learn more of it. Excellent. Scene two, Troy, a room in Priam's palace. Enter Priam, Hector, Troilus, Paris, and Helenus. After so many hours, live speeches spent, Thus once again says Nestor from the Greeks. Deliver Helen and all damage else, as honor, loss of time, travail, expense, wounds, friends, and what else dear that is consumed in hot digestion of this cormorant war shall be struck off. Hector, what say you to it? Though no man lesser fears the Greeks than I, as far as toucheth my particular, yet Dread Priam, there is no lady of more softer bowels, more spongy to suck in the sense of fear, more ready to cry out, who knows what follows, than Hector is. 
The wound of peace is surety, surety secure, but modest doubt is called the beacon of the wise, the tent that searches to the bottom of the worst. Let Helen go. Since the first sword was drawn about this question, every tithe soul amongst many thousand dismas hath been as dear as Helen. I mean of ours, if we have lost so many tenths of ours, to guard a thing not ours nor worth to us, had it our name, the value of one ten, what merits in that reason which denies the yielding of her up? Fie, fie, my brother. Weigh you the worth and honor of a king so great as our dread father in a scale of common ounces? Will you with counters sum the past proportion of his infinite and buckle in a waist most fathomless with spans and inches so diminutive as fears and reasons? Fie, for godly shame. No marvel, though you bite so sharp at reason, you are so empty of them. Should not our father bear the great sway of his affairs with reason, because your speech hath none that tells him so? You are for dreams and slumbers, brother priest. You fur your gloves with reason. Here are your reasons. You know an enemy intends you harm. You know a sword employed is perilous. And reason, and reason, flies the object of all harm. Who marvels then when Hellenus beholds a Grecian and his sword, if he do set the very wings of reason to his heels and fly like chidden mercury from Jove? or like a star disorbed. Nay, if we talk of reason, let's shut our gates and sleep. Manhood and honor should have hair hearts. Would they but fat their thoughts with this crammed reason? Reason and respect make lives, livers pale and lustihood deject. Brother, she is not worth what she doth cost the holding. What is aught, but as tis valued? But value dwells not in particular will. It holds his estimate and dignity as well wherein tis precious of itself as in the prizer. Tis mad idolatry to make the service greater than the god and the will dotes that is attributive to what infectiously itself affects without some image of the affected merit. I take today a wife, and my election is led on in the conduct of my will. My will enkindled by mine eyes and ears, two traded pilots twixt the dangerous shores of will and judgment. How may I avoid, although my will distaste what it elected, the wife I chose? There can be no evasion to blench from this and to stand firm by honor, and to stand firm by honor. We turn not back the silks upon the merchant when we have soiled them nor the remainder of viands we do not throw in unrespective sieve because we now are full. It was thought meat Paris should, do so, Paris should do some vengeance on the Greeks. Your breath of full consent bellied his sails. The seas and winds, old wranglers took a truce and did him service. He touched the ports desired, and for an old aunt whom the Greeks held captive, he brought a Grecian queen, whose youth and freshness wrinkles Apollo's, and make stale the morning. Why keep we her? The Grecians keep our aunt. Is she worth keeping? Why, she is a pearl, whose price hath launched above a thousand ships and turned crowned kings to merchants. If you'll avouch t'was wisdom, Paris went, as you must needs, for you all cried, go, go. If you'll confess, he brought home noble prize, as you must needs, for you all clapped your hands and cried, inestimable. Why do you now the issue of your proper wisdom rate? 
and do a deed that fortune never did, beggar the estimation which you prized richer than sea and land. Oh, theft most base that we have stolen what we do fear to keep. But thieves, unworthy of a thing so stolen, unworthy of a thing so stolen, that in their country did them that disgrace, we fear to warrant in our native place. Crime, Trojans, crime! What noise, what shriek is this? Uh, it is our mad sister, I do know her voice. Cry, Trojans! It is Cassandra. And to Cassandra, raven. Cry, Trojans, cry! Lend me ten thousand eyes, and I will fill them with prophetic tears. Peace, sister, peace. Virgins and boys, middle-aged and wrinkled eld, soft infancy that nothing canst but cry, add to my glamours. Let us pay betimes a moiety of that mass of moan to come. Cry, Trojans, cry! Practice your eyes with tears. Troy must not be, nor goodly Ilion stand. Our firebrand brother Paris burns us all. Cry, Trojans, cry! A Helen and a woe, cry, cry! Troy burns, or else let Helen go. Exit. Now, youthful Troilus, do not these high strains of divination in our sister work some touches of remorse? Or is your blood so madly hot that no discourse of reason, nor fear of bad success in a bad cause can qualify the same? My brother Hector, we may not think the justness of each act such, and no other than even than events doth form it, nor once deject the courage of our minds, because Cassandra's mad. Her brain-sick raptures cannot distaste the goodness of a quarrel which hath our several honors all engaged to make it gracious. For my private part, I am no more touched than all Priam's sons. And Joe forbid there should be done amongst us such things as might offend the weakest, the weakest spleen to fight for and maintain. Else might the world convince of levity as well as my undertakings as your counsels. But I attest the gods, your full consent gave wings to my propension and cut off all fears attending on so dire a project. For what, alas, can these my single arms, what propugnation is in one man's valor to stand the push and enmity of those this quarrel would excite? Yet I protest, were I alone to pass the difficulties and had as ample power as I have will, Paris should ne'er retract what he hath done, nor faint in the pursuit. Paris, you speak like one besotted on your sweet delights. You have the honey still, but these the gall. So to be valiant is no praise at all. Sir, I propose not merely to myself the pleasures such a beauty brings with it, but I would have the soil of her fair rape wiped off in honorable keeping her. What treason were it to be ransacked, queen, disgrace to your great words and shame to me, now deliver her possession up on terms of base compulsion? Can it be so degenerate a strain as this should once set footing in your generous bosoms? There's 
not the meanest spirit on our party without a heart to dare or sword to draw when Helen is defended, nor tone so noble whose life were ill-bestowed or death unfamed where Helen is the subject. Then I say, well, may we fight for her whom we know well. The world's large spaces cannot parallel. Eris and Troilus, you have both said well, and on the cause and question now in hand have glozed, but superficially, not much unlike young men whom Aristotle thought unfit to hear moral philosophy. The reasons you allege do more conduce to the hot passion of distempered blood than to make up a free determination twixt right and wrong. For pleasure and revenge have ears more deaf than adders to the voice of any true decision. Nature craves all dues be rendered to their owners. Now what nearer debt in all humanity than wife is to the husband? If this law of nature be corrupted through affection, and that great minds of partial indulgence to their benumbed wills, Resist the same, there is a law in each well-ordered nation to curb those raging appetites that are most disobedient and refractory. If Helen then be wife to Sparta's king, as it is known she is, these moral laws of nature and of nations speak aloud to have her back returned. Thus to persist in doing wrong extenuates not wrong, but makes it much more heavy. Hector's opinion is in this way of truth. Yet, nevertheless, my sprightly brethren, I propend to you in resolution to keep Helen still, for tis a cause that hath no mean dependence upon our joint and several dignities. Why, there you touch the life of our design. Were it not glory that we more, that we more affected than the performance of our heaving spleens, I would not wish a drop of Trojan blood spent more in her defense. But worthy Hector, she is a theme of honor and renown, a spurt of valiant and magnanimous deeds whose present courage may beat down our foes and fame in time to come canonize us. For I presume brave Hector would not lose so rich advantage of a promised glory as smiles upon the forehead of this action for the wide world's revenue. I am yours, you valiant offspring of great Priamus. I have a roisting challenge sent among the dun and factious nobles of the Greeks will strike amazement to their drowsy spirits. I was advertised their great generals slept whilst emulation in the army crept. This, I presume, will wake him. Excellent. Scene three, the Grecian camp before Achilles' tent. Enter Thersites Solus. Oh, now, Thersites. What, lost in the labyrinth of thy fury? Shall the elephant Ajax carry it thus? He beats me, and I rail at him. <laughs> Worthy satisfaction. Would it were otherwise that I could beat him whilst he railed at me? Sfoot. I'll learn to conjure and raise devils, but I'll see some issue of my spiteful execrations. Then there's Achilles, a rare engineer. If Troy be not taken till these two undermine it, the walls will stand till they fall of themselves. Oh, thou 
great thunder daughter of Olympus, forget that thou art Jove, the king of gods, and Mercury, lose all thy serpentine craft of thy caduceus, if ye take not that little, little less than little wit from them that they have, which short-armed ignorance itself knows is so abundant scarce, it will not in circumvention deliver a fly from a spider without drawing their massy irons and cutting the web. After this, the vengeance on the whole camp, or rather the bone ache, for that, methinks, is the curse dependent on those that war for a placket. I have said my prayers and devil envy say amen. What ho, my lord Achilles! Enter Patroclus. Who's there? Thersites. Good Thersites, come in and rail. If I could have remembered a guilt counterfeit, thou wouldst not have slipped out of my contemplation. But it is no matter, thyself upon thyself. The common curse of mankind, folly, and ignorance be thine in great revenue. Heaven bless thee from a tutor, and discipline come not near thee. Let thy blood be thy direction till thy death. Then, if she that lays thee out says thou art a fair course, I'll be sworn and sworn upon it she never shrouded any but Lazar's. Amen. Where's Achilles? What, are thou devout? Wast thou in prayer? Aye, the heavens hear me. Enter Achilles. Who's there? Those cities, my lord. Mm, where, where art thou come? Why, my cheese, my digestion, why hast thou not served thyself into my table so many meals? Come, what's Agamemnon? Thy commander, Achilles. Then tell me, Patroclus, what's Achilles? Thy lord, Thersites, then tell me, I pray thee, what's thyself? Thy knower, Patroclus, then tell me, Patroclus, what art thou? Thou mayest tell that knowest. Oh, tell, tell. I'll decline the whole question. Agamemnon commands Achilles. Achilles is my lord. I am Patroclus' knower, and Patroclus is a fool. You rascal. Peace, fool. I have not done. He is a privileged man. Proceed, Thersites. Agamemnon is a fool. Achilles is a fool. Thersites is a fool, and as aforesaid, Patroclus is a fool. Derive this. Come. Agamemnon is a fool to offer to command Achilles. Achilles is a fool to be commanded of Agamemnon. Thersites is a fool to serve such a fool, and Patroclus is a fool positive. Why am I a fool? Well, make that demand of the prover. It suffices me, thou art. Look you, who comes here? Patroclus, I'll speak with nobody. C come in with me, Thersites. Exit. Here is such patchery, such juggling, and such knavery. All the argument is a cuckold and a whore. A good quarrel to draw emulous factions and bleed to death upon. Now the dry serbigo on the subject, and war and lechery confound all. Exit. And Dragamemnon, Ulysses, Nestor, Diomedes, and Ajax. Where is Achilles? Within his tent, but ill-disposed, my lord. Let it be known to him that we are here. 
he shunned our messengers, and we lay by our appertainments visiting of him. Let him be told so, lest perchance he think we dare not move the question of our place, or know not what we are. I shall say so to him. We saw him, at the, we saw him at the opening of his tent. He is not sick. Yes, lion's sick, sick of proud heart. You may call it melancholy if you will favor the man, but by my head, tis pride. But why, why? Let him show us the cause. Uh, a word, my lord. Takes it Agamemnon aside. What moves Ajax thus to bay at him? Achilles hath inveigled his fool from him. Who? Thersites? He. Then will Ajax lack matter if he have lost his argument. No, you see. He is his argument that has his argument, Achilles. All the better. Their fraction is more our wish than their faction, but it was a strong composure a fool could disunite. The amity that wisdom not knits not, folly may easily untie. Here comes Patroclus. We enter Patroclus. No Achilles with him. The elephant hath joints, but none for courtesy. His legs are legs for necessity, not for flexure. Achilles bids me say he is much sorry if anything more than your sport and pleasure did move your greatness and this noble state to call upon him. He hopes it is no other but for your health and your digestion's sake and after dinner's breath. Hear you, Patroclus. We are too well acquainted with these answers. But his evasion, winged thus swift with scorn, cannot outfly our apprehensions. Much attribute he hath and much the reason why we ascribe it to him. Yet all his virtues, not virtuously on his own part beheld, do in our eyes begin to lose their gloss. Yea, like fair fruit in an unwholesome dish, are like to rot untasted. Go and tell him, we come to speak with him, and you shall not sin if you do say we think him over-proud and under-honest in self-assumption greater than in the note of judgment, and worthier than himself here tend the savage strangeness he puts on, disguise the holy strength of their command, and underwrite in an observing kind his humorous predominance. Yea, watch his pettish looms, his ebbs, his flows, as if the passage and whole carriage of this action rode on his tide. Go tell him this, and add that if he overhold his price so much, we'll none of him but let him, like an engine not portable, lie under this report. Bring action hither, this cannot go to war. A stirring dwarf we do allowance give before a sleeping giant. Tell him so. I shall, and bring his answer presently. And second voice will not be satisfied. We come to speak with him. Ulysses, enter you. Is it Ulysses? What is he more than another? No more than what he thinks he is. Is he so much? Do you think he thinks himself a better man than I am? <laughs> no question. <laughs> Will you subscribe his thought and say he is? No, noble Ajax. You are as strong, as valiant, as wise, no less noble much more gentle, and altogether more tractable. 
Why should a man be proud? How doth pride grow? I know not what pride is. Your mind is the clearer, Ajax, and your virtues the fairer. He that is proud eats up himself. Pride is his own glass, his own trumpet, his own chronicle, and whatever praises itself but in the deed, devours the deed in the praise. I do hate a proud man, as I hate the engendering of toads. Yet he loves himself. Is it not strange? Re-enter Ulysses. Achilles will not to the field tomorrow. What's his excuse? He doth rely on none, but carries on the stream of his dispose without observance or respect of any in will, in will peculiar and in self-admission. Why will he not, upon our fair request, untent his person and share the air with us? Things small as nothing for requ request's sake only, he makes important. Possessed he is with greatness and speaks not to himself, but with a pride that quarrels at self-breath. Imagined worth holds in his blood such swollen and hot discourse that twixt his mental and his active parts, kingdom Achilles in commotion rages and batters himself down. What should I say? He is so plaguy proud that the death tokens of it cry no recovery. Let Ajax go to him, dear Lord. Go you and greet him in his tent. Tis said he holds you well and will be led at your request a little from himself. O Ag Agamemnon, let it not be so. We'll consecrate the steps that Ajax makes when they go from Achilles. Shall the proud lord that bases his arrogance with his own seam and never suffers matter of the world enter his thoughts, save such as do re revolve and ruminate himself, shall he, he be worshipped? Of that we hold an idol more than he? No, this thrice worthy and right valiant Lord must not so stale his palm nobly acquired, nor by my will as subjugate his merit, as simply titled as, as Achilles is by going to Achilles. That were to enlarge his fat already pride and add more coals to cancer when he burns with entertaining great Hyperion. This Lord go to him. Jupiter forbid and say in thunders, Achilles go to him. Oh, this is well. He rubs the vein of him. And how his silence drinks up this applause. If I go to him with my armed fist, I'll pass him over the face. Oh, no, you shall not go. And I'd be proud with me. I'll feed his pride. Let me go to him. Not for the worth that hangs upon our quarrel. A paltry, insolent fellow. Oh, he describes himself. Can he not be sociable? The raven chides blackness. I'll let his humor's blood. He will be the physician that should be the patient. And all men were, oh, my mind. Wit would be out of fashion. I should not bear it so. I should eat swords first. Shall pride carry it? And twould you'd carry half. I would have ten shares. I'll, I will need him. I'll make him supple. He's not yet through warm. Force him with praises. Pour in, pour in. His ambition is dry. My lord, you feed too much on this dislike. Our noble general, do not do so. 
you must prepare to fight without Achilles. Why, tis this naming of him does him harm. Here is a man, but tis before his face, I will be silent. Wherefore should you so? He is not emulous, as Achilles is. Know the whole world he is valiant. Or some dog that shall pelter thus with us. Would he were a Trojan. What a vice were it in Ajax now. If he were proud. Or covetous of praise. Ay, or surly born. Or strange, or self-affected. Thank the heavens, Lord, thou art of sweet composure. Praise him that got thee, she that gave thee suck. Famed be thy tutor, and thy parts of nature thrice famed, beyond all erudition. But he that disciplined thy arms to fight, let Mars divide eternity in twain, and give him half, and for thy vigor, bull-bearing Milo, his addition yield to sinewy Ajax. I will not praise thy wisdom, which, like a born, a pale, ashore confines thy spacious and diluted parts. Here is Nestor, instructed by the antiquary times. He must, he is, he cannot be, but be wise. But pardon, Father Nestor, were your days as green as Ajax and your brain so tempered, you should not have the eminence of him, but be as Ajax. Shall I call you father? I, my good son, be ruled by him, Lord Ajax. There is no tarrying here. The heart Achilles keeps thicket. Please that our great general to call together at this all his state of war. Fresh kings are come to Troy. Tomorrow we must, with all our main pow- of power, stand fast. And here is a lord. Come knights from east to west and call their flower. Ajax shall cope the best. Go we to council, let Achilles sleep. Light boats sail swift, though greater hulks draw deep. Exeunt. Act 3, Scene 1, Troy, Priam's Palace. Enter a servant and Pandarus. Friend, you, pray you a word. You Do not you follow the young Lord Paris? Aye, sir, when he goes before me. You depend on him, I mean. Sir, I do depend upon the Lord. You depend upon a noble gentleman. I must needs praise him. The Lord be praised. You know me, uh, do you not? Uh, faith, sir, superficially. Friend, know me better. I am the Lord Pandarus. I hope I shall know your honor better. I do desire it. You are in the state of grace. Grace? Not so, friend. Honor and lordship are my titles. Music within. What music is this? I do but partly know, sir. It is music in parts. Know you the musicians? Holy, sir. Who play they to? To the hearers, sir. At whose pleasure, friend? At mine, sir. And theirs that love music. Command, I mean, friend. Uh, Who shall I command, sir? Friend, we understand not one another. Uh, I am too courtly, and thou art too cunning. At whose request do these men play? Um, that's to it indeed, sir. Mary, sir, at the request of Paris, my lord, who's there in person. With him, the mortal Venus, the hard blood of beauty, loves invisible soul. Oh, who, my cousin Cressida? No, sir, Helen. Could you not find out that by her attributes? 
Ah, uh, it should seem, fellow, that thou hast not seen the Lady Cressida. I come to speak with Paris from Prince Troilus. I will make a complimental assault upon him for my business seeds. Sodden business? There's a stewed phrase indeed. Enter Paris and Helen attended. Fair be to you, my lord, and to all this fair company. Fair desires in all fair measure. Fairly guide them, especially to you, fair queen. Fair thoughts be your fair pillow. Dear Lord, you are full of fair words. Well, you speak your sweet, you feel fair pleasure, sweet queen. Fair prince, here is good broken music. You have broke it, cousin, and by my life, you shall make it whole again. You shall piece it out with a piece of your performance. Nell, he is full of harmony. Truly, lady, no. Oh, sir. You're rude in sooth, in good sooth, very rude. Well said, my lord. Well, you say so in fits. I have business to my lord, dear queen. My lord, will you vouchsafe me a word? Nay, this shall not hedge us out. We'll hear you sing, certainly. Well, sweet queen, you are pleasant with me, but Mary, thus, my lord, my dear lord and most esteemed friend, your brother Troilus. My lord Pandarus, honey, sweet lord. Go to, sweet queen, go to commends himself most affectionately to you. You shall not bob us out of our melody. If you do, our melancholy upon your head. Sweet queen, sweet queen. That's a sweet queen, Faith. And to make a sweet lady sad is a sour offense. Nay, that shall not serve your turn. That shall not, in truth, la. Nay, I care not for such words, no, no. And my lord, he desires you that if the king call for him at supper, you will make his excuse. My lord Pandarus. What says my sweet queen, my very, very sweet queen? What exploits in hand? Where sups he tonight? Nay, but my lord. Then what says my sweet queen? My cousin will fall out with you. You must not know where he sups. I'll lay my life with my disposer, Cressida. No, no, no such matter. You are wide. Come, your disposer is sick. Well, I'll make excuse. Aye, good, my lord. Uh, why should you say Cressida? No, your poor disposer's sick. <laughs> I spy. You spy? What do you spy? Come, give me an instrument. Now, sweet queen. Why, this is kindly done. My niece is horribly in love with a thing you have, sweet queen. She shall have it, my lord, if be not my lord Paris. He? No, she'll none of him. They too are twain. Falling in after falling out may make them three. Come, come, I'll hear no more of this. I'll sing you a song now. Aye, aye, prithee now. By my troth, sweet lord, thou hast a fine forehead. Aye, you may, you may. Let thy song be love. This love will undo us all. Oh, Cupid, Cupid, Cupid. Love, aye, that it shall, it faith. Uh, I good now, love, love, nothing but love. In good troth, it begins so. Love, love, nothing but love still more. For, oh, love's bow shoots buck and doe. The shaft confounds not that it wounds, but tickles still the sore. These lovers cry, oh, oh, they die. Yet that which seems the wound to kill doth turn, oh, oh, to ha, ha, 
me. So dying love lives still. Oh, oh, a while. But ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh, groans out for ha, ha, ha. Hey, ho. In love, it fades to the very tip of the nose. He eats nothing but doves, love, and that breeds hot blood. And hot blood begets hot thoughts, and hot thoughts beget hot deeds, and hot deeds is love. Is this the generation of love? Hot blood, hot thoughts, and hot deeds. <laughs> Why, they're vipers. Is love a generation of vipers? Lord, who's a field today? Hector, Diphobus, Helenus, Antenor, and all the gallantry of Troy. I would fain have armed today, but my Nell would not have it so. How chance my brother Troilus went not? He hangs the lip at something. You know all, Lord Pandarus. No, not I, honey, sweet queen. I long to hear how they sped today. You'll remember your brother's excuse. To a hair. Farewell, sweet queen. Commend me to your niece. I will, sweet queen. Exit. A retreat sounded. <laughs> they've, uh, they've come from the field, led us to Priam's Hall to greet the warriors. Sweet Helen, I must woo you to help unarm our Hector. His stubborn buckles with these, uh, with these your white enchanting fingers touched shall more obey than to the edge of steel or force of Greekish sinews. You shall, you shall do more than all the island kings disarm great Hector. T'will make us proud to be a servant, Paris. Yea, what he shall receive of us in duty, give us more palm and beauty than we have. Yea, oversh overshines ourself. Sweet, above, above thought I love thee. Exit. Scene two, the same, Pandarus's orchard. Enter Pandarus and Troilus's boy meeting. How now? Where's thy master? At my cousin Cressida's? No, sir. He stays for you to conduct him thither. Oh, here he comes. Enter Troilus. How now? How now? Sira, walk off. Exit boy. Have you seen my cousin? No, Pandarus. I stalk about her door like a strange soul upon the Stygian banks staying for waftage. Oh, be thou my Charon, and give me swift transportance to, transportance to those fields where I may wallow in the lily beds proposed for the deserver. O gentle Pandarus, from Cupid's shoulder, pluck his painted wings and fly with me to Cressid. Walk here in the orchard. I'll bring her straight. <sighs> Giddy. Expectation whirls me round. The imaginary relish is so sweet that in, it enchants my sense. What will it be when that the watery palate tastes indeed love's thrice repurid nectar? Death, I fear me, swooning destruction or some joy too fine, too subtle, potent, tuned too sharp in sweetness for the capacity of my ruder powers. I fear it much. And I do fear besides that I shall lose distinction in my joys. As doth a battle when they charge on heaps the enemy flying. Uh, She's making her ready. 
She'll come straight. You must be witty now. She does so blush and fetches her wind so short as if she were frayed with a sprite. I'll fetch her. It is the prettiest villain. She fetches her breath as short as a new tan sparrow. <laughs> Even such a passion doth embrace my bosom. My heart beats thicker than a feverous pulse, and all my powers do their bestowing lose, like vassalage at unawares encountering the eye of majesty. Re-enter Pandarus with Cressida. Come, come, what made you blush? Shame's a baby. Here she is now. Swear the oaths now to her that you have sworn to me. What, are you gone again? You must be watched ere you may be made tame, must you? Come, your ways, come your ways. You draw backward. We'll put you in the fills. Why do you not speak to her? Come, draw this curtain and let's see your picture. Alas, the day, how loath you are to offend daylight. And twere dark, you'd close sooner. So, so, rub on and kiss the mistress. How now, a kiss in fee farm? Build there, carpenter, the air is sweet. Nay, you shall fight your hearts out ere I part you. The falcon is the tersel for all the ducks in the river. Go to, go to. You have bereft me all words, lady. Words pay no debts. Give her deeds. But she'll bereave you the deeds too if she call your activity in question. What? Billing again? Here's in witness whereof the parties interchangeably. Come in, come in. I'll go get a fire. Exit. Will you walk in, my lord? Oh, Cressida. How often have I wished me thus? Wished, my lord. The gods grant. Oh, <laughs> my lord. What should they grant? <laughs> what makes this pretty abruption? What too curious dreg despise my sweet lady in the fountain of our love? More dregs than water, if my fears have eyes. Fears make devils of cherubims. They never see truly. Blind fear that seeing reason leads finds safer footing than blind reason stumbling without fear. To fear the worst oft cures the worse. Let my lady apprehend no fear. In all Cupid's pageant, there is, no prese there is presented no monster. Nor nothing monstrous, neither? Nothing. But our undertakings. When we vow to weep seas, live in fire, eat rocks, tame tigers, thinking it harder for our mistress to devise imposition enough than for us to undergo any difficulty imposed. This is the monstrosity in love. Lady, that the will is infinite and the execution confined. That the desire is boundless and the act a slave to limit. They say all lovers swear more performance than they are able and yet reserve an ability that they never perform. Vowing more than the perfection of ten and discharging less than the tenth part of one. They that have the voices of lions and the act of hares, are they not monsters? Are there such? Such are not we. Praise us as we are tasted. Allow us as we prove 
Our head shall go bare till merit crown it. No perfection in reversion shall have a praise in present. We will not name, we will not name desert before his birth and being born. His addition shall be humble. Few words to fair faith. Troilus shall be such to Cressid as what envy can say worst shall be a mock for his truth. And what truth can speak truest, not truer than Troilus. Will you walk in, my lord? Re-enter Pandarus. What? Blushing still? Have you not been talking yet? Well, <laughs> uncle, what folly I commit, I dedicate to you. Oh, I thank you for that. <laughs> If my lord get a boy of you, you'll give him me. Be true to my lord. If he flinch, chide me for it. You know now your hostages, your uncle's word, and my firm faith. Nay, I'll give my word for her too. Our kindred, though they be long ere, they're wooed. They are constant being one. They are burrs, I can tell you. They'll stick where they are thrown. Boldness comes to me now and brings me heart. Prince Troilus, I have loved you night and day for many weary months. Why was my crested then so hard to win? Hard to seem one. But I was one, my lord, with the first glance that ever... Pardon me. If I confess too much, you'll play the tyrant. I love you now, but till now, not so much, but I might master it. Uh, in faith, I lie. My thoughts were like unbridled children grown too headstrong for their mother. See, we fools. Why have I blabbed? Who shall be true to us when we are so unsecret to ourselves? <laughs> but, but though I loved you well, I wooed you not. And yet, good faith, I wished myself a man. <laughs> or that we women had men's privilege of speaking first. Oh, sweet, bid me hold my tongue. For in this rapture, I shall surely speak the thing I shall repent. See, see, your silence, cunning in dumbness. From my weakness draws my very soul of counsel. Stop my mouth. <laughs> And shall, albeit sweet music issues thence. Prettiest faith. My lord, I do beseech you, pardon me. T'was not my purpose thus to beg a kiss. I am ashamed. Oh, heavens, what have I done? For this time, I will take my leave, my lord. With relief, sweet Cressid. Leave, and you take leave till tomorrow morning. Pray you, content you. What offends you, lady? Sir, mine own company. You cannot shun yourself. Well, let me go and try. <laughs> I have a kind of self resides with you, but an unkind self that itself will leave to be another's fool. I would be gone. Where is my wit? I know not what I speak. Well know they what they speak, but speak so wisely. <laughs> Perchance, my lord, I show more craft than love. 
and fell so roundly to a large confession to angle for your thoughts. But you are wise, or else you love not. For to be wise and love exceeds man's might. That dwells with gods above. Oh, that I thought it could be in a woman. As if it can, I will presume in you to feed for I her rampant flames of love, to keep her constancy in plight and youth, outliving beauties outward with a mind that doth renew swifter than blood decays, or that persuasion could but thus convince me that my integrity and truth to you might be affronted with the match and weight of such a winnowed purity in love. How were I then uplifted? But alas, I am as true as truth's simplicity and simpler than the infancy of truth. In that, I'll war with you. Oh, virtuous fight. <laughs> when right with right wars, who shall be most right? True swains in love shall in the world to come approve their truths by Troilus. When their rhymes, full of protest, of oath and big compare, want similes, truth tired with iteration, as true as steel, as plantage to the moon, as sun today, as turtle to her mate, as iron to adamant, as earth to the center. Yet, after all comparisons of truth, as truth's authentic author to be cited, as true as shall crown up the verse and sanctify the numbers. Prophet may you be, if I be false or swerve a hair from truth, when time is old and hath forgot itself, when water drops have worn the stones of Troy and blind oblivion swallowed cities up, and mighty states characterless are grated to dusty nothing, Yet let memory from false to false among false maids in love upbraid my falsehood. When they've said as false as air, as water, wind, or sandy earth, as fox to lamb, as wolf to heifer's calf, pard to the hind, or stepdame to her son, yea, let them say to stick the heart of falsehood as false as Cressid. Go to! A bargain made. Seal it, seal it. I'll be the witness. Here, I hold your hand. Here are my cousins. If ever you prove false one to another, since I have taken such pains to bring you together, let all pitiful goers between be called to the world's end after my name. Call them all panders. Let all constant men be Troilus's, all false women Cressids, and all brokers between panders. Say amen. 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 Amen whereupon I will show you a chamber with a bed. Because it shall not speak of your pretty encounters, press it to death, away. And Cupid grant all tongue-tied maidens here. Bed, chamber, pander to provide this gear. <laughs> Excellent. Scene three, the Grecian camp before Achilles' tent. Enter Agamemnon, Ulysses, Diomedes, Nestor, Ajax, Menelaus, and Calphicius. Now, princes, for the service I have done you, the advantage of the time prompts me aloud to call for recompense. 
appear it to your mind that through the sight I bear in things to love, I have abandoned Troy, left my possession, incurred a traitor's name, exposed myself from certain and possessed conveniences to doubtful fortunes, sequestering from me all that time, acquaintance, custom, and condition, made tame and most familiar to my nature, and here to do you service and become as new into the world, strange, unacquainted. I do beseech you, as in way of taste, to give me now a little benefit out of those many registered in promise, which you say live to come in my behalf. What wouldst thou have of us, Trojan? Make demand. You have a Trojan prisoner called Antinor, yesterday took. Troy holds him very dear. Oft have you, often have you thanks therefore, desired my Cressid in right great exchange, whom Troy hath still denied. But this Antinor, I know, is such a rest in their affairs that their negotiations all must slack, wanting his manage. And they will almost give us a prince of blood, a son of Priam, in change of him. Let him be sent, great princes, and he shall buy my daughter, and her presence shall quite strike off all service I have done in most accepted pain. Let Diomedes bear him, and bring us Cressid hither. Calchas shall have what he requests of us, but Diomed furnish you fairly for this interchange. With all bring word if Hector will tomorrow be answered in his challenge, Ajax is ready. This shall I undertake, and tis a burden which I am proud to bear. Exit Diomedes and Calchas, enter Achilles and Patroclus, Patroclus before their tent. Achilles stands in the entrance of his tent. Pleased at our general, general to pass strangely by him, as if he were forgot. And princes all, lay negligent and loose regard upon him. I will come last. Tis like he'll question me why such unplausive eyes are bent on him. If so, I have derision medicinable to use between your strangeness and his pride, which his own will shall have desire to drink. It may be good. Pride hath no other glass to show itself but pride, for supple knees feed arrogance, and are the proud man's fees. We'll execute your purpose and put on a form of strangeness as we pass along. So do each lord, and either greet him not, or else disdainfully, which shall shake him more than if not looked on. I will lead the way. What? Comes the general to speak with me? You know my mind. I'll fight no more against Troy. What says Achilles? Would he aught with us? Would you, my lord, aught with the general? No. Nothing, my lord. The better. Exit Agamemnon and Nestor. Good day. Good day. How do you? How do you? Exit. What? Does the cuckold scorn me? How now, Patroclus? Good morrow, Ajax. Huh? Good morrow. Aye, and and good next day, too. Exit. (laughs) What mean these fellows? Know they not Achilles? 
they passed by strangely. They were used to bend to send their smiles before them to Achilles to come as humbly as they used to creep to holy altars. What? Am I poor of late? Tis certain, greatness once fallen out with fortune must fall out with men too. What the declined is, he shall as soon read in the eyes of others as feel in his own fall. For men, like butterflies, show not their mealy wings but to the summer, and not a man, for being simply man, hath any honor, but honor for those honors that are without him, as place, riches, favor, prizes of accident, as oft as merit, which when they fall, as being slippery standers, the love that leaned on them as slippery too, do one pluck down another, and together die in the fall. But tis not so with me. Fortune and I are friends. I do enjoy at ample point all that I did possess, save those men's looks, who do, methinks, find out something not worth in me such rich beholding as they have often given. Uh, here is Ulysses. Uh, I'll interrupt his reading. How now, Ulysses? Now, great Theus' son. Uh, what are you reading? A strange fellow here writes me. That man, how dearly ever parted, how much in having, or without, or in, cannot make boast to have that which he hath, nor feels not what he owes but by reflection, as when his virtues shining upon others heat them and they retort that heat again to the first giver. This is not strange, Ulysses. The beauty that is born here in the face the bearer knows not, but commends itself to others' eyes. Nor doth the eye itself, that most pure spirit of sense, behold itself, not going from itself, but eye to eye opposed salutes each other with each other's form, for speculation turns not to itself, till it hath traveled and is mirrored there, where it may see itself. This is not strange at all. I do not strain its position, it is familiar, but at the artist, uh, the author's drift, who in his circumstance expressly proves that no man is the lord of anything, though in and of him there be much consisting till he communicate his parts to others, nor doth he of himself know them for aught till he behold them formed in the applause where they are extended who like an arch reverberates the voice again, or like a gate of steel fronting the sun, receives and renders back his figure and his heat. I was much wrapped in this, and apprehended here immediately the unknown Ajax. Heavens, what a man is there, a very horse that has he knows not what. Nature, what things there are, most abject in regard and dear in use, what things, again, most dear in the esteem and poor in worth? Now shall we see tomorrow an act that very chance, chance doth throw upon him, Ajax renowned. Oh, heavens, what some men do while some men leave to do. How some men creep in skittish fortunes hall while others play the idiots in her eyes. How one man eats into another's pride while pride is fasting in his wantonness. To these Grecian lords, why, even already they clap the lubber Ajax on the shoulder as if his foot were on brave Hector's breast and great Troy shrieking. Huh. I do believe it, for they pass by me as misers do by beggars, neither gave to me good word nor look. What, 
Are my deeds forgot? Time hath, my lord, a wallet at his back, wherein he puts al alms for oblivion, a great-sized monster of ingratitudes. Those scraps are good deeds past, which are devoured as fast as they are made, forgot as soon as done. Perseverance, dear my lord, keeps honor bright. To have done is to hang quite out of fashion like a rusty male in monumental mockery. Take the instant way, for honor travels in a strait so narrow, where one but goes abreast. Keep then the path, for emulation hath a thousand sons that one by one pursue. If you give way or hedge aside from the direct forthright, like to an entered tide, they all rush by and leave you hindmost. Or like a gallant horse fallen in first rank, lie there for pavement to the abject rear, or run and trampled on. Then what they do in present, though less than yours in past, must o'ertop yours. For time is like a fashionable host that slightly shakes his parting guest by the hand and with his arms outstretched as he would fly grasps in the comer. Welcome ever smiles and farewell go out, goes out sighing. Oh, let not virtue seek remuneration for the thing it was, for beauty, wit, high birth, vigor of bone, desert and service, love, friendship, charity, are subjects all too envious and calumniating time. One touch of nature makes the whole world kin, that all with one consent praise newborn gods, though they are made and molded of things past and give to dust that is a little guilt more laud than guilt or dusted. The present eye praises the present object, then marvel not thou great and complete man, that all the Greeks begin to worship Ajax, since things in motion sooner catch the eye than what not stirs. The cry went once on thee, and still it might, and yet it may again, if thou wouldst not entomb thyself alive and case thy reputation in thy tent, whose glorious deeds but in these fields of late made emulous missions amongst the gods themselves and drave great Mars to faction. Of this, my privacy, I have strong reasons. But against your privacy, the reasons are more potent and heroical. Tis known, Achilles, that you are in love with one of Priam's daughters. Huh. Known. Is that a wonder? The providence that's in a watchful state knows almost every grain of Plutus gold, finds bottom in the uncomprehensive deeps, keeps place with thought, and almost like the gods, does thoughts unveil their dumb cradles. There is a mystery with whom relation durst never meddle in the soul of state, which hath an operation more divine than breath or pen can give expression to. All the commerce that you have had with Troy as perfectly is ours as yours, my lord. And better would it fit Achilles much to throw down Hector than Polyxena. But 
it must grieve the young Paris now at home when fame shall in our islands sound her trump and all the Greekish girls shall tripping sing great Hector's sister did Achilles win but our great Ajax bravely beat him that beat down him farewell my lord I as your lover speak the fool slides are the ice that you should break exit to this effect, Achilles, have I moved you? A woman impudent and mannish grown is not more loathed than an effeminate man in time of action. I stand condemned for this. They think my little stomach to the war and your great love to me restrains you thus. Sweet, rouse yourself, and to the weak wanton Cupid shall your neck unloose his amorous fold, and, and like a dewdrop from the lion's mane, be shook to air. Shall Ajax fight with Hector? I and perhaps receive much honor by him. I see my reputation is at stake. My fame is shrewdly gored. Oh, then beware. Those wounds heal ill that men do give themselves. Omission to do what is necessary seals a commission to a blank of danger. And danger, like an og, subtly taints even then when we sit idly by the sun. Go call Thersides hither, sweet Patroclus. I'll send the fool to Ajax and desire him to invite the Trojan lords after the combat to see us here unarmed. I have a woman's longing, an appetite that I am sick withal, to see great Hector in his weeds of peace, to talk with him and to behold his visage even to my full of view. Enter Thersides. Ah, a labor saved. A wonder. What? Ajax goes up and down the field asking for himself. How so? He must fight singly tomorrow with Hector and is so prophetically proud of a heroical cudgeling that he raves in saying nothing. How can that be? Why, he stalks up and down like a peacock, astride and a stand ruminates like a hostess that hath no arithmetic but her brain to set down her reckoning, bites his lip with a politic regard, as who should say there were wit in his head and twould out. And so there is, but it lies as coldly in him as fire in a flint, which will not show without knocking. The man's undone forever, for if Hector break not his neck in the combat, he'll break it himself in vain glory. He knows not me. I said, good morrow, Ajax. And he replies, thanks, Agamemnon. What think you of this man that takes me for the general? He's grown a very landfish, languageless, a monster. Ah, oh, plague of opinion. A man may wear it on both sides like a leather jerkin. Thou must be my ambassador to him, Thersides. Who, I? Why... He'll answer nobody. He professes not answering. Speaking is for beggars. He wears his tongue in his arms. I will put on his presence. Let Patroclus make demands to me. You shall see the pageant of Ajax. <laughs> to him, Patroclus, tell him I humbly desire the valiant Ajax to invite the most valorous Hector to come unarmed to my tent and to procure safe conduct for his person of the magnanimous and most illustrious six or seven times honored captain general of the Grecian army, Agamemnon, etc. Do this. Jove bless great Ajax. Come. Huh. 
I come from worthy Achilles, who most humbly desires you to invite Hector to his tent. Um. And to procure safe conduct from Agamemnon. Agamemnon! I, my lord. <laughs> what say you to it? God be with you, with all my heart. Your answer, sir. If tomorrow be a fair day, by eleven o'clock it will go one way or other. Howsoever, he shall pay me for ere he has me. Your answer, sir? Fare you well, with all my heart. Why, but he is not in his, in this tune, is he? No, but he's out of tune thus. What music will be in him when Hector has knocked out his brains? I know not, but I am sure none, unless the fiddler Apollo get his sinews to make catlings on. Come, thou shalt bear a letter to him straight. Let me bear another to his horse, for that's the more capable creature. (laughs) My mind is troubled like a fountain stirred, and I myself see not the bottom of it. Exant Achilles and Patroclus. Would the fountain of your mind were clear again that I might water an ass at it. I had rather be a tick in a sheep than such valiant ignorance. Exit. Act four, scene one, Troy, a street. Enter from one side, Aeneas and a servant with a torch. From the other, Paris, Diphobus, uh, Antinor, Diomedes, and others with torches. See ho, who is that there? Is it Lord Aeneas? Is the prince there in person? Had I so good occasion to lie long as you, Prince Paris? Nothing but heavenly business should uh, rob my bed made of my company. That's my mind, too. Good moral, Lord Aeneas. A valiant Greek, Aeneas, take, take his hand. Witness the process of your speech wherein you told how Diomed, a whole week by days, did haunt you in the field. Hell to you, valiant sir. During all question of the gentle truce, but uh, when I meet you armed as black defiance, as heart can think or courage execute. The one and other, Diomed embraces. Our bloods are now in calm, and so long, health! <laughs> but when contention and occasion meet, by Jove, I'll play the hunter for thy life, with all my force, pursuit, and policy. And thou shalt hunt a lion that will fly, with his face backward in human gentleness. Welcome to Troy! Now by Anchises life, welcome indeed. By Venus's hand, I swear no man alive can love in such a sort the thing he means to kill more excellently. We sympathize. Jove, let Aeneas live. If to my sword his fate be not the glory, a thousand complete courses of the sun, but in mine emulous honor, let him die with every joint a wound, and that tomorrow. We know each other well. We do, and long to know each other worse. This is the most despiteful greeting, gentle greeting, the noblest hateful love that e'er I ever heard of. What business, Lord, so early? Well, I was sent for the king. Oh, bye. I know not. 
his purpose meets you. Twas to bring this Greek to Calchas's house, and there to render him for the infreed Antenor, the freed, the fair Cressid. Let's have your company, or if you please, haste there before us. I constantly do think, or rather call my thought a certain knowledge. My brother Troilus lodges there tonight. Rouse him and give him note of our approach. With the whole quality there, wherefore, I fear we shall be much unwelcome. Dang. Uh, that I assure you. Troilus had rather Troy were uh, born to Greece than Cressid from, born from Troy. There is no help. The bitter disposition of the time will have it so. On, Lord, we'll follow you. Good morrow, all. Thank you, your servant. And tell me, noble Diomed, faith, tell me true, even in the soul of sound good fellowship, who in your thoughts merits fair Helen best? Myself or Menelaus? <laughs> Both alike. He merits well to have her that doth seek her, not making any scruple of her solier, with such a hell of pain and world of charge in you, as well to keep her that defend her, not palating the taste of her dishonor, with such a costly loss of wealth and friends, he, like a pulling cuckold, would drink up the lees and dregs of a flat tamed piece in you, like a lecher out of a Horish loins are pleased to breed out your inheritors, both merits poised, each weighs nor less nor more, but he is he the heavier for uh, the whore. Uh, oh, <laughs> you are too bitter to your countrywoman. Oh, she's bitter to her country. Hear me, Paris. For every false drop in her body veins, a Greek's life has sunk. For every scruple of her contaminated carry-on weight, a Trojan hath been slain. Since she could speak, she hath not given so many good words, breath as for her Greeks and Trojans suffered death. <sighs> Fair Diomed, you do as Chapman do. <sighs> Dispraise the thing that you desire to buy, but we in silence hold this virtue well. We'll commend what we intend to sell. Here lies our way. Okay, exempt. <laughs> Team two, the same. Court of Pandarus's house. Enter Troilus and Cressida. Here, trouble not yourself. The morn is cold. <laughs> then, sweet my lord, I'll call mine uncle down. He shall unbolt the gates. Trouble him not. To bed. To bed. Sleep kill those pretty eyes and give us as soft attachment to thy senses as infants empty of all thought. Good morrow, then. I prithee now. To bed. Are you weary of me? Oh, Cressida. But that the busy day, waked by the lark, hath roused the ribald crows, and dreaming night will hide our joys no longer. I would not from thee. 
Hmm. Night hath been too brief. Shrew the witch. <laughs> With venomous whites, she stays as tediously as hell, but flies the grasps of love with wings more momentary swift than thought. You will catch cold and curse me. Oh, prithee, tarry. You men will never tarry. Oh, foolish Crescent. I might have still held off, and then you would have tarried. Hark, there's <laughs> one up. What? Is all the doors open here? It is your uncle. Oh, a pestilence on him. Now he will be mocking. I shall have such a life. Enter Pandarus. Mm-hmm. How now? How now? How go maidenheads? Here, you maid, where's my cousin Cresset? Go hang yourself, you naughty mocking uncle. You bring me to do, and then you flout me, too. To do what? To do what? Let her say what? What have I brought you to do? Oh, come, come. Be true your heart. You'll ne'er be good, nor suffer others. <laughs> ah, alas, poor wretch. Ah, poor Capoccia. Has not slept tonight? Would he not? A naughty man? Let it sleep? A bugbear take him. Did I not tell you? Would he were knocked in the head? <laughs> Who's that at door? Good uncle, go and see. My lord, come you again into my chamber? You smile and mock me as if I meant naughtily. <laughs> come, you are deceived. I think of no such thing. Oh, how earnestly they knock. Pray you come in. I would not for half of Troy have you seen here. Exent Troilus and Cresta. Who's there? What's the matter? Will you beat down the door? How now? What's the matter? Enter Aeneas. Good <coughs> morrow, Lord. Good morrow. Oh, who's there? My Lord Aeneas. By my troth, I knew you not. What news with you so early? Is not Prince Troilus here? Here? What should he do here? Oh, come here he is, my lord. Do not deny him. It doth impart him much to speak with me. Is he here, say you? Tis more than I know. I'll be sworn for my own part. I, I came in late. What should he do here? <laughs> Nay, then, uh, come, come, you'll uh, do him wrong ere you're aware. You'll be so true to him, to be false to him. Do not you know of him, and yet go. Fetch him hither. Go. Re enter Troilus. Uh, <clears throat> how now? What's the matter? My lord, I scarce have leisure to salute you. My matter is so rash. There is at hand Paris, your brother, and uh, Diophobus, the Grecian diamond, and our Antenor delivered to us, and for him forthwith ere the first sacrifice within this hour. We must give up Diomedes' hand, Lady Cressida. Is it so concluded? 
Uh, by Priam and the general state of Troy. They are at hand and uh, ready to affect it. All my achievements mock me. <clears throat> I, I, I will go meet them. And my lord Aeneas, we met by chance. You did not find me here. Good. Good, my lord. The secrets of nature have that more gift in taciturnity. Isn't Troilus and Aeneas? Is it possible? No sooner got, but lost? The devil take Antenor! Oh, the young prince will go mad! A plague upon Antenor! I would they had broke his neck! We enter Cressida. How now? What's the matter? Who was here? <laughs> Why sigh you so profoundly? Where's my lord? Gone. Tell me, sweet uncle, <clears throat> what's the matter? Would I were as deep under the earth as I am above. Oh, the gods, what's the matter? Prithee, get thee in. Would thou hadst never been born. I know thou wouldst be his death. Oh, poor gentleman. Oh, plague upon Antenor. Good uncle, I beseech you on my knees. Beseech you, what's the matter? Thou must be gone, wench. Thou must be gone. Thou art changed for Antenor. Thou must to thy father and be gone from Troilus. T'will be his death. T'will be his bane. He cannot bear it. Oh, you immortal gods, I will not go. You, thou must. I will not, uncle. I have forgot my father. I know no touch of consanguinity. No kin, no love, no blood, no soul so near me as the sweet Troilus. Oh, you gods divine, make Cressid's name the very crown of falsehood if ever she leave Troilus. Time, force, and death do to this body what extremes you can, but the strong base and building of my love is as the very center of the earth drawing all things to it. I'll go in and weep. Do, do! Tear my bright hair and scratch my praised cheeks. Crack my clear voice with sobs and break my heart with sounding Troilus. I will not go from Troy. Exit. Scene three, the same, a street before Pandarus's house. Enter Paris, Troilus, Aeneas, Diphobus, Antinor, and Diomedes. It is a great morning, and the hour prefixed of her delivery to this valiant Greek comes fast upon. Good brother Troilus, tell you the lady what she is to do, and haste her to the purpose. Walk into her house. I'll bring her to the Grecian presently. <clears throat> and to his hand, when I deliver her, think at an altar and thy brother Troilus, a priest, there offering to it his own heart. Exit. I know what tis to love, and would as I shall pity. I could help. Uh, please you walk in, my lords. Exit. Scene four, the same, Pandarus's house, enter Pandarus and Cressida. Moderate. Ye moderate. Why tell you me of moderation? 
The grief is fine, full, perfect that I taste, and violenteth in a sense as strong as that which causeth it. How can I moderate it? If I could temporize with my affection or brew it to a weak and colder palate, the like allayment could I give my grief. My love admits no qualifying dross, no more my grief in such a precious loss. Here, here, here he comes. Enter Troilus. Ah, sweet ducks. Oh, Troilus, Troilus. Embracing him. What a pair of spectacles is here. Let me embrace too. Oh, heart, as the goodly saying is, oh, heart, heavy heart, why sighest thou without breaking? Where he answers again, because thou canst not ease thy smart by friendship, nor by speaking. There was never a truer rhyme. Let us cast away nothing, for we may live to have need of such a verse. We see it. We see it. How now, lambs? Cressid, I love thee in so strained a purity that the blessed gods, as angry with my fancy, more bright in zeal than the devotion which cold lips blow to their deities. Take thee from me. Have the gods envy? I, 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 I. Tis too plain a case. And is it true that I must go from Troy? A hateful truth. What? And from Troilus, too? From Troy. And Troilus. Is it possible? And suddenly, where injury of chance puts back, leave-taking, jostles roughly by, all time of pause, rudely beguiles our lips of all rejoinder, forcibly prevents our locked embrasures, strangles our dear vows even in the birth of our own laboring breath. We too, that with so many thousand sighs did buy each other, must poorly sell ourselves with the rude brevity and discharge of one. Injurious time now, with a robber's haste, crams his rich thievery up. He knows not how. As many farewells to be stars in heaven, with distant breath and consigned kisses to them, he fumbles up into a lost adieu and scans us with a single famished kiss distasted with the salt of broken tears. My uh, lord, is the lady ready? Oh, hark. You are called. Some say the genius so cries, come to him that instantly must die. Bid them have patience. She'll come anon. Where are my tears? Rain, to lay this wind, or my heart will be blown up by the root. Exit. I must then to the Grecians. No remedy. The woeful Cressid amongst the merry Greeks. When shall we see again? Hear me, my love. Be thou the true of heart. I true? How now? What wicked deem is this? 
Nay, nay, nay. We must use expostulation kindly, for it is parting from us. I speak not, be thou true, as fearing thee, for I will throw my glove to death himself, that there's no maculation in thy heart. But be thou true, say I, to fashion in my sequent protestations. Be thou true, and I will see thee. shall be exposed, my lord, to do it as imminent. And I'll grow friend with danger. Wear his sleeve. And you, this glove, when Um, I will corrupt the Grecian sentinels to give the nightly visitation. Yet be true. Again. Here while I speak, here while I speak at love, the Grecian youths are full of quality. They're, they're loving, well-composed with gifts of nature. The flowing and swelling o'er with arts and exercise, how novelty may move and parts with person, alas, a kind of godly jealousy, which I beseech you, the call of a virtuous sin, makes me afeard. Oh, you love me not. Die I a villain then. And this I do not call your faith in question so mainly as my merit. I cannot sing, nor heal the high lavalt, nor sweeten talk, nor play at subtle games, fair virtues all, to which the Grecians are most prompt and pregnant. But I can tell thee that in each grace of these there lurks a still and dumb discursive devil that tempts most cunningly. Be not tempted. Sorry about that. Tempted, do you think I will? No. No. But something may be done that we will not. And sometimes we are devils to ourselves when we will tempt the frailty of our powers, presuming on their changeful potency. <clears throat> uh, nay, uh, good my lord. Come, kiss, and let us part. Brother Troilus. Good brother. Come you hither. Aeneas, the Grecian with you. My lord, will you be true? Who I? Alas, it is my vice, my fault. Whilst others fish with craft for great opinion, I with great truth catch mere simplicity. While some with cunning gild their copper crowns with, true, with truth and plainness, I do wear my bare. Fear not my truth. The moral of my wit is plain and true. There's all the reach of it. Enter Aeneas, Paris, Antinor, Diphobus, and Diomedes. Welcome, Mr. Diomed. 
Here is the lady which for Antina we deliver you. At the port, Lord, I'll give her to thy hand. And by the way, possess thee what she is. And treat her fair. And by my soul, fair Greek, if e'er thou stand at mercy of my sword. Name Cressida, and thy life shall be as safe as Priam is in Ilion. Fair Lady Cressid, um, so please you, save the thanks this print expects. The luster in your eye, heaven in your cheek, pleads your fair usage, and to Diomed you shall be mistress, and command him wholly. Grecian, hmm? thou dost not use me courteously. To shame the zeal of my petition to thee in praising her, I tell thee, Lord of Greece, she is as far high-soaring o'er thy praises as thou unworthy to be called her servant. I charge thee, use her well, even for my charge. For by the dreadful Pluto, if thou dost not, though the great bulk Achilles be thy guard, I'll cut thy throat. Oh, oh, be... Not moved, Prince Troilus. Let me be privileged by my place and message to be a speaker free. When I am hence, I'll answer to my lust and know you, Lord. Oh, nothing do on charge. To her own worth, she shall be prized. But that you say be so, I'll speak it in my spirit and honor. No. Come to the port. Hmm. I'll tell thee, Diomed, this brave shall oft make thee to hide thy head. Lady, give me your hand. And as we walk to our own selves, and we are needful talk. Mm-hmm. Troilus, Cressida, and Diomedes. Trumpets within. Hark! Uh, Hector's trumpet. Uh, <clears throat> uh, how we have uh, spent this morning. The prince must think me tardy and remiss. Uh, that sword arrived before him in the field. Tis Troilus's fault. Come, come, to the field with him. Let us make ready straight. Yea, with a bridegroom's fresh alacrity, let us... Addressed to tend on Hector's heels, the glory of our Troy doth this day lie on his fur worth and single chivalry. Excellent. Scene five, the Grecian camp, lists set out. Enter Ajax armed, Agamemnon, Achilles, Patroclus, Menelaus, Ulysses, Nestor, and others. Here art thou in appointment fresh and fair, anticipating time with starting courage. Give with thy trumpet a loud note to Troy, thou dreadful Ajax, that the appalled air may pierce the head of the great combatant and hail him hither. Uh, thou, trumpet! There's my purse. Now crack thy lungs and split thy brazen pipe. Blow, villain, till thy spherid bias cheek outswell the colic of puffed Achaeon. Come, stretch thy chest and let thy eyes spout blood thou blowst for Hector. 
Bum -ba -bum. No trumpet answers. Tis but early days. Is not yon Diomed with Calchas' daughter? Tis he. I ken the manner of his gait. He rises on the toe. That spirit of his is in aspiration lifts him from the earth. Enter Diomedes with Cressida. Is this the Lady Cressida? Even she. Most dearly welcome to the Greeks, sweet lady. Our general doth salute you with a kiss. Yet is the kindness but particular. T'were better she were kissed in general. And very courtly counsel. I'll begin. So much for Nestor. I'll take what winter from your lips, fair lady. Achilles bids you welcome. I had good argument for kissing once. But that's no argument for kissing now. For this poppeth Paris in his hardiment and parted thus you and your argument. O deadly gall and theme of our scorn, all our scorns, for which we lose our heads to gild his horns. The first was Menelaus, this mine. Patroclus kisses you. Oh, this is Trim. Paris and I kiss evermore for him. I'll have my kiss, sir. Lady, by your leave. In kissing, do you render or receive? Both take and give. I'll make my match to live. The kiss you take is better than you give. Therefore, no kiss. I'll give you boot. I'll give you three for one. You're an odd man. Give even or give none. An odd man, lady. Every man is odd. No, Paris is not. For you know tis true that you are odd and he is even with you. Philip, me the head. No, I'll be sworn. It were no match your nail against his horn. May I, sweet lady, lady, beg a kiss of you? You may. I do desire it. Why, beg then. Why then, for Venus' sake, give me a kiss when Helen is a maid again and his? I am your debtor. Claim it when tis due. Never's my day and then a kiss of you. Lady, a word. I'll bring you to your wallet there. <laughs> Exit with Cressida. A woman of quick sense. Fie, fie upon her. There's a language in her eye, her cheek, her lip, nay, her foot speaks. Her wanton spirits look out at every joint and motive of her body. Oh, these encounters, so glib of tongue that give a costing welcome ere it comes, and wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts to every ticklish reader. Set them down for sluttish spoils of opportunity and daughters of the game. Dun, da, da, da. Trojan, Trojan trumpet. trumpet. Yonder comes the troop. Enter Hector arms, Aeneas, Troilus, and other Trojans with attendants. Hail all you state of Greece, what shall be done to him that victory commands? Or do you purpose a victor shall be known? Will you, the knights shall to the edge of all extremity pursue each other, or shall be divided by any voice or order of the field? Hector bade ask. Which way would Hector have it? Uh, he cares not. He'll obey conditions. Is done like Hector, but securely done. 
a little proudly and great deal misprising the knight opposed. If uh, not Achilles, sir, what is your name? <laughs> if not Achilles, nothing. Oh, therefore, Achilles, whate'er, no, but whate'er, know this, in the extremity of great and little, valor and pride excel themselves in Hector. Ow, ow. The one, almost as infinite as all, the other, blank as nothing. Weigh him well. That which looks like pride is courtesy. This Ajax is half made of Hector's blood, in love whereof half Hector stays at home. Half heart, half hand, half Hector comes to seek this blended knight, half Trojan and half Greek. A maiden battle then. Oh, I perceive you. Into Diomedes. Here is Sir Diomed. Go, gentle knight. Stand by our Ajax. <clears throat> As you and Lord Aeneas can set upon the order of their fight, so be it, either to the uttermost or else a breath. The combatants being kin, half stints their strife before their strokes begin. Ajax and Hector enter the lists. They are opposed already. What Trojan is that same that looks so heavy? The youngest son of Priam, a true knight, not yet mature, yet matchless, firm of word, speaking in deeds and deedless in his tongue, not soon provoked, nor being provoked soon calmed. His heart and hand both open and both free. For what he has he gives, what he thinks he shows. Yet gives he not till judgments guide his bounty, nor dignifies an impure thought with breath. Manly is Hector, but more dangerous, for Hector in his blaze of wrath subscribes to tender objects. But he in heat of action is more vindictive than jealous love. They call him Troilus, and on him erect a second hope, as fairly built as Hector. Thus says Aeneas, one that knows the youth even to his inches, and with private soul did in great Ilion thus translate him to me. Alarm, Hector and Ajax fight. They are in action. Now, Ajax, hold thine own! His blows are well disposed. There, Ajax. You must Wait no more. Ah. Ah, Prince is an elf, so please you. <laughs> I am not warm yet. Let us fight again. As Hector pleases. Why then, will I know more? Thou art, great lord, my father's sister's son, a cousin German to great Priam's seed. The obligation of our blood forbids a gory emulation twixt us twain. Were thy commixtion Greek and Trojan so that thou could say, this hand is Grecian all, and this is Trojan, the sinews of this leg all Greek and this all Troy, my mother's blood runs on this dexter cheek and on this sinister bounds in my father. By Jove multipotent, thou shouldst not bear from me a Greekish member wherein my sword had not impressure made of our rank feud. But the just gods gainsay that any drop thou borrowedst from thy mother 
my sacred aunt should be by my mortal sword be drained. Let me embrace thee, Ajax, by him that thunders. Thou hast lusty arms, Hector would have them fall upon him thus. Cousin, all honor to thee. I thank thee, Hector. Thou art too gentle and too free a man. I came to kill thee, cousin, and bear hence a great addition earned in thy death. Not Neoptolemus so mirable, on whose bright crest fame with her loudest oys cries, This is he, could promise to himself a thought of added honor torn from Hector. There is expectance here from both the sides. What further will you do? We'll answer it. The issue is embracement. Ajax, farewell. If I might in entreaties find success, as seldom I have the chance, I would desire my famous cousin to our Grecian tents. Tis Agamemnon's wish, and great Achilles doth long to see unarmed the valiant Hector. Uh, Aeneas, call my brother Troilus to me, and signify this loving interview to the expectors of our Trojan part. Desire them home. Give me thy hand, my cousin. I will go eat with thee, and see your knights. Great Agamemnon comes to meet us here. The worthy of them, the worthiest of them tell me name by name, but for Achilles. Mine own searching eyes shall find him by his large and portly size. Worthy of arms, as welcome as to one that would be rid of such an enemy. But that's no welcome. Understand more clear. What's past and what's to come is strewed with husks and formless ruin of oblivion. But in this extant moment, faith and troth, stained purely from all hollow bias drawing, bids thee with most divine integrity from heart a very heart, great Hector, Welcome. I thank thee, most imperious Agamemnon. My well-famed lord of Troy, no less to you. Let me confirm my princely brother's greeting. You brace of warlike brothers, welcome hither. Uh, who must we answer? The noble Menelaus. Oh, you, my lord. By Mars his gauntlet, thanks. Mock not that I affect the untraded oath. Your quondam wife swears still by Venus's glove. She's well, but bade me not commend her to you. Name her not now, sir. She's a deadly theme. Oh, pardon. I offend. I have, thou gallant Trojan, seen the oft laboring for destiny make cruel way through ranks of Greekish youth, and I have seen thee, as hot as Perseus, spur thy Phrygian steed, despising many forfeits and subduments, when thou hast hung thy advanced sword in the air, not letting it decline on the declined, that I have said to sum my standards by, lo, Jupiter is yonder, dealing life. And I have seen thee pause and take thy breath when that a ring of Greeks have hemmed thee in like an Olympian wrestling. This have I seen, but this thy countenance, still locked in steel, I never saw till now. I knew thy grandsire and once fought with him. He was a soldier good, 
but by great Mars, the captain of us all never saw like thee. Let an old man embrace thee, and worthy warrior, welcome to our tents. Tis the old Nestor. Let me embrace thee, good old chronicle. Thou hast so long walked hand in hand with time. Most reverend Nestor, I am glad to clasp thee. I would my arms could match thee in contention, as they contend with thee in courtesy. I would they could. Ha! By this white beard I'd fight with thee tomorrow. Well, welcome, welcome. I have seen the time. I wonder now how yonder city stands when we have here her basin pillar by us. I know your favor, Lord Ulysses, well. Ah, uh, sir, there's many a Greek and Trojan dead since first I saw yourself and Diomed in Ilion on your Greekish embassy. Sir, I foretold you then what would ensue. My prophecy is but half his journey yet. For yonder walls that pertly front your town, yond towers, those wanton tops do bust the clouds, must kiss their own feet. I must not believe you. There they stand yet, and modestly, I think, the fall of every Phrygian stone will cost a drop of Grecian blood. The end crowns all, and that old common arbitrator, time, will one day end it. So to him we leave it. Most gentle and valiant, and most valiant Hector, welcome. After the general, I beseech you next to feast with me and see me at my tent. I shall forestall thee, Lord Ulysses, thou. Now, Hector, I have fed mine eyes on thee. I have with exact view perused thee, Hector, and quoted joint by joint. Is this Achilles? I am Achilles. Stand fair, I pray thee, let me look on thee. Behold thy fill. Uh, nay, I have done already. Or too brief. I will the second time, as I would by thee, view thee limb by limb. Oh, like a book of sport thou'lt read me o'er. But there's more in me than thou understand'st. Why dost thou so oppress me with thine eye? Tell me, you haven't. In which part of his body shall I destroy him? Whether there, or there, or there that I may give the local wound a name and make distinct the very breach whereout Hector's great spirit flew. Answer me, heavens. It would discredit the blessed gods, proud man, to answer such a question. Stand again. Think'st thou to catch my life so pleasantly as to prenominate in nice conjecture where thou wilt hit me dead? I tell thee, yeah. Wert thou an oracle to tell me so, I'd not believe thee. Henceforth, guard thee well, for I'll not kill thee there, nor there, nor there. But by the forge that stithied Mars his helm, I'll kill thee everywhere. Yea, o'er and o'er, you wisest Grecians, pardon me this brag. His insolence draws folly from my lips, but I'll endeavor deeds to match these words, or may I never. Do not chafe thee, cousin. And you, Achilles, let these threats alone till accident or purpose bring you toot. You may have every day enough of Hector if you have stomach. 
general state, I fear, can scarce entreat you to be odd with him. I pray you, let us see you in the field. We have had pelting wars since you refused the Grecian's cause. Dost thou entreat me, Hector? Tomorrow do I meet thee, fell as death. Tonight, all friends. Thy hand upon that match. First, all you peers of Greece, go to my tent. There in full convive we. Afterwards, as Hector's leisure and your bounty shall concur together, severally entreat him. Beat loud the tambourines, let the trumpets blow, that this great soldier may his welcome know. Exit all except Troilus and Ulysses. <clears throat> my lord Ulysses, tell me, I beseech you, in what place of the field doth Calchas keep? At Menelaus' tent, most princely Troilus, where Diomed doth feast with him tonight, who neither looks upon the heaven nor earth, but gives all gaze and bent of amorous view on the fair crescent. Shall sweet lord be bound to you so much after we part from Agamemnon's tent to bring me thither? You shall command me, sir. As gentle, tell me, of what honor was this Cressida in Troy? Had she no lover there that wails her absence? Oh, sir, to such as boasting showed their scars, a mock is due. Will you walk on, my lord? She was beloved. She loved. She is. And doth. But still, sweet love is food for fortune's tooth. Act 5, Scene 1, the Grecian camp before Achilles' tent. Enter Achilles and Patroclus. I'll heat his blood with Greekish wine tonight, which with my scimitar I'll cool tomorrow. Patroclus, let us feast him to the height. Here comes Thersites. Enter Thersites. Mm. How now, thou core of envy, thou crusty batch of nature? What's the news? Why, thou picture of what thou seemest, an idol of idiot worshippers, here's a letter for thee. From whence, fragment? Why, thou full dish of fool, from Troy. Who keeps the tent now? The surgeon's box, or the patient's wound. Well said, adversity. And what needs these tricks? For thee, be silent. Boy, I profit not by thy talk. Thou art thought to be Achilles' male varlet. Male varlet, you rogue? What's, what's that? Why, his masculine whore. <laughs> now, with the rotten diseases of the South, the guts griping, ruptures, catars, loads of gravel in the back, lethargies, cold palsies, raw eyes, jerked rotten livers, wheezing lungs, bladders full of imposthume, sciaticas, lime kilns in the palm, incurable bone ache, and the rivaled fee simple of the tetter. Take and take again such preposterous discoveries. Why, thou damnable box of envy, thou, what meanest thou to curse thus? Do I curse thee? Why, no, you ruinous butt, you... Poor son, indistinguishable cur, no. No, 
Why art thou then exasperate, thou idle, immaterial skein of sleeve silk, thou green sarsenet flap for a sore eye, thou tassel of a prodigal's purse, thou? Ugh, how the poor world is pestered with such waterflies, diminutives of nature. Out, gall. Finch egg. My sweet Patroclus, I am thwarted quite for my great purpose in tomorrow's battle. Here is a letter from Queen Hecuba, a token from her daughter, my fair love, both taxing me and gagging me to keep an oath that I have sworn. I will not break it. Fall, Greeks, fail fame, honor or go or stay, my major vow lies there here. This I'll obey. Come, come. Thersides, help to trim my tent. This night in banqueting must all be spent. Away, Patroclus. Exunt Achilles and Patroclus. With too much blood and too little brain, these two may run mad. But if with too much brain and too little blood they do, I'll be a curer of madmen. Oh, here's Agamemnon, an honest fellow enough and one that loves quails. But he has not so much brain as earwax. Ah, oh, and the goodly transformation of Jupiter there, his brother, the bull, the primitive statue and oblique memorial of cuckolds, a thrifty shoeing horn in a chain hanging at his brother's leg. To what form but that he is, should wit larded with malice and malice forced with wit turn him to? To an ass were nothing. He is both ass and ox. To an ox were nothing. He is both ox and ass. To be a dog, a mule, a cat, a fichu, a toad, a lizard, an owl, a puttick, or a herring without a row, I would not care. But to be Menelaus, I would conspire against destiny. Ask me not what I would be if I were not Thersites, for I care not to be the louse of a lazar. So I were not Menelaus. Heyday, spirits and fires. Enter Hector, Troilus, Ajax, Agamemnon, Ulysses, Nestor, Menelaus, and Diomedes with lights. We go wrong. We go wrong. No, yonder tis. There, where, where we see the lights. I trouble you. No, not a whit. Here comes himself to guide you. Re-enter Achilles. Welcome. Welcome, brave Hector. Welcome, princes all. So now, fair prince of Troy, I bid good night. Ajax commands the guard to tend on you. Thanks and good night, the Greeks general. Good night, my lord. Good night, sweet lord Menelaus. Sweet draft, sweet, quoth, uh, sweet sink, sweet sewer. Good night and welcome both at once to those that go or tarry. Good night. Exuntec Agamemnon and Menelaus. Old Nestor tarries. And you too, Diomed. Keep Hector company an hour or two. I cannot, Lord. I have uh, important business the tide whereof is now. Good night. Great, Hector. Uh, give me your hand. Follow his torch. He goes to Calchas' tent. I'll keep you company. Sweet, sir. You honor me. And so good night. Exit Diomedes, Ulysses, and Troilus following. 
Come, come, enter my tent. Agent Achilles, Hector, Ajax, and Nestor. That same Diomed's a false-hearted rogue, a most unjust knave. I will no more trust him when he leers than I will a serpent when he hisses. He will spend his mouth and promise like a brabbler the hound, but when he performs, astronomers foretell it. It is prodigious. There will come some change. The sun borrows of the moon when Diomed keeps his word. I will rather leave to see Hector than not to dog him. They say he keeps a Trojan drab and uses the traitor Calchas tent. <laughs> I'll after. Nothing but lechery, all incontinent varlets. Exit. Scene two, the same before Calchas' tent. Calchas's? Whatever. Enter Diomedes. What? Are you up here? Oh, speak. Who calls? Calchas, I think. Where's your daughter? She comes to you. Enter Troilus and Ulysses at a distance after them, Thersites. Stand for the torch may not discover us. Enter Cressida. Cressid comes forth to him. How now, my charge? Now, my sweet guardian. Hark, a word with you. Yea, so familiar? She will sing any man at first sight. And any man may sing her if he can take her cliff, she's noted. Will you remember? Remember, yes. Nay, but do then, and let your mind be coupled with your words. What should she remember? List. Sweet honey Greek, tempt me no more to folly. Roguery! Nay, then... I'll tell you what. Oh, fall, 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 fall. Come, tell a pin. You are forsworn. In faith, I cannot. What would you have me do? A juggling trick. To be secretly open. What did you swear you would bestow on me? Hmm? I prithee, do not hold me to mine oath. Bid me do anything but that. Sweet Greek. No, oh, good night. Old patience. How now, Trojan? Diomede. No, no. Good night. I'll be your fool no more. Thy better must. Hark, one word in your ear. Oh, plague and madness. You are moved, Prince. Let us depart, I pray you, lest your pl- displeasure should enlarge itself to wrathful terms. This place is dangerous. The time right deadly, I beseech you, go. Behold, I pray you. Nay, good my lord, go off. You flow to great distraction. Come, my lord. I pray thee, stay. You have not patience. Come. Yeah. I pray you, stay. By hell... And all hell's torments, I will not speak a word. And so, good night. Nay, but, but you part in anger. Doth that grieve thee? With her truth. Why, how now, Lord? By Jove, I will be patient. Guardian, why, Greek? Oh, 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 oh. 
adjure you, Poulter. In faith, I do not come hither once again. You shake, my lord, at something. Will you go? You will break out. She strokes his cheek. Come, come. Nay, stay. By Jove, I will not speak a word. There is between my will and all offenses a guard of patience. Stay a little while. Oh, the devil luxury with his fat rump and potato finger tickles these together. Fry, lechery! Fry! But will you then? In faith I will, la. Never trust me else. Give me some token for the surety of it. I'll fetch you one. Hmm. You have sworn patience. Fear me not, sweet lord. I will not be myself, nor have cognition of what I feel. I am all patience. Re-enter Cressida. Now the pledge! Now, now, now! Here, Diomede, keep this sleeve. Oh, beauty. Where is my faith? My lord. I will be patient. Outwardly, I will. You look upon that sleeve. Behold it well. He loved me. Oh, false wench. Give it me again. Whose was It is no matter. Now I have to again. I will not meet with you tomorrow night. I prithee, Diomede, visit me no more. Now she sharpens. Well said, Whetstone! I shall have it. What this? I, that. Oh, all you gods. Oh, pretty, pretty pledge. Thy master now lies thinking in his bed of thee and me and sighs and takes my glove and gives memorial dainty kisses to it as I kiss thee. Nay, do not snatch it from me. He that takes it doth take my heart withal. I had your heart before. This follows it. I I did swear patience. You shall not have it, Diomede. Faith, faith, you shall not. I'll give you something else. I will have this. Whose was it? It is no matter. Come, tell me whose it was. "'Twas ones that loved me better than you will. But now you have it. Take it. Whose was it? By all Diana's waiting women yawned, and by herself I will not tell you whose. Tomorrow will I wear it on my helm and grieve his spirits that dares not challenge it. Wert thou the devil and worst, worst it on thy horn it should be challenged. Well, well, tis done, tis past, and yet it is not. I will not keep my word. Why, then, farewell. Thou never shalt mock 
Diomed again. You shall not go. One cannot speak a word, but it straight starts you. Oh, I do not like this fooling. Nor I by Pluto, but that that likes not you pleases me best. What? Shall I come? The hour. I come. Oh, Jove, do come. I shall be plagued. Farewell, till then. Good night. I prithee, come. Exit Diomedes. Troilus, farewell. One eye yet looks on thee, but with my heart the other eye doth see. Ah, poor our sex. The fault in us, I find. The error of our eye directs our mind. Whatever leads must err. Oh, then conclude, minds swayed by eyes are full of turpitude. Exit. A proof of strength she could not publish more unless she said my mind is now turned whore. All's done, my lord. It is. Why stay we then? To make a recordation to my soul of every syllable that here was spoke. But if I tell how these two did co-act, shall I not lie in publishing a truth? Yet there is a credence in my heart, an esperance so obstinately strong that doth invert the attest of eyes and ears as if those organs had deceptious functions created only to calumniate. Was Crescent here? I cannot conjure, Trojan. But she was not sure. Most sure she was. Why? My negation hath no taste of madness. Nor mine, my lord. Cressid was here but now. Let it not be believed. For womanhood. Think, we had mothers. Do not give advantage to stubborn critics apt without a theme for deprivation to square the general sex by Cressid's rule. Rather think this not Cressid. What hath she done, Prince, that can soil our mothers? Nothing at all. Unless that this were she. Will he swagger himself out on his own eyes? This she? No. This is Diomed's Cressida. If beauty have a soul, this is not she. If souls guide vows, if vows be sanctimonies, if sanctimony be the God's delight, if there be rule in unity itself, this is not she. O oh, madness of discourse, O 
that cause sets up with and against sets up with and against itself bifold authority where reason can revolt without perdition and loss assume all reason without revolt this and is not crescent within my soul there doth conduce a fight of this strange nature that a thing inseparate divides more wider than the sky and earth and yet the spacious breadth of the, this division admits no or effects for a point as subtle as Ariadne's broken woof to enter. Instance, oh, instance, strong as Pluto's gates, oh, Crescent is mine, tied with the bonds of heaven. Instance, oh, instance, strong as heaven itself, the bonds of heaven are slipped, dissolved, and loose. And with another not five finger tied, the fractions of her faith, orts of her love, the fragments, scraps, the bits and greasy relics of her o'er-eaten faith are bound to diamond. May worthy Troilus be half attached with that which here his passion doth express. Hi, <laughs> Greek. And that shall be divulged well in characters as red as Mars, his heart inflamed with Venus. Never did young man fancy with so eternal and so fixed a soul. Hark, Greek, as much as I do crescent love, so much by weight hate I her diamond. That sleeve is mine that he'll bear on his helm. Were it a cask composed by Vulcan skill, my sword should bite it. Not the dreadful spout which shipmen do the hurricane call, constrained in mass by the almighty sun, shall dizzy with more clamor Neptune's ear in his descent than shall my prompted sword falling on Diomed. He'll tickle it for his concubine. Oh, Crescent. Oh. False? Crescent? False? False. False. Let all untruths stand by thy stained name, and they'll seem glorious. Contain yourself, your passion draws ears hither. Uh, I, uh, I have uh, been uh, seeking you this hour, my lord. Um, whew, Hector, by this is arming him in Troy. Ajax, your guard says to conduct you home. Have with you, Prince. My courteous lord, adieu. Farewell, revolted, revolted, fair, Diomed, stand fast. And wear a castle on thy head. I'll bring you to the gates. 
accepts distracted thanks. Exempt trailers in the SNE Lizzie. Would I could meet that rogue Diomed. I would croak like a raven. I would bode. Oh, I would bode. Patroclus will give me anything for the intelligence of this whore. The parrot will not do more for an almond than he for a commodious drab. Oh, lechery, lechery. Still, wars and lechery, nothing else holds a fashion. A burning devil take them all. Scene three, Troy before Priam's palace. Enter Hector and Andromache. When was my lord so much ungently tempered to stop his ears against admonishment? Unarm, unarm, and do not fight today. You train me to offend you. Get you in by all the everlasting gods. I'll go. My dreams will sure prove ominous to the day. No more, I say. Enter Cassandra. Where is my brother Hector? Here, sister, armed and bloody in intent. Consort with me in loud and dear petition to pursue him, we on our knees. For I have dreamed of bloody turbulence, and this whole night has nothing been but shapes and forms of slaughter. Oh, tis true. Oh, bid my trumpet sound. No, notes of Sally for the heavens, sweet brother. Be gone, I say. The gods have heard me swear. The gods are deaf to hot and peevish vows. They are polluted offerings more aboard than spotted livers in the sacrifice. Oh, be persuaded. Do not count it holy to be hurt by, to hurt by being just. It is as lawful for we have for we would give as it is as lawful for we would give much to use violent thefts thefts and rob in the behalf of charity. It is the purpose that makes strong the vow. But vows to every purpose must not hold. Unarmed, sweet Hector. Hold you still, I say. Mine honor keeps the weather of my fate. Lie every man holds dear, but the brave man holds honor far more precious dear than life. Enter Troilus. Uh, how now, young man? Meanst thou to fight today? Uh. Cassandra, call my father to persuade. Exit Cassandra. No. Faith, young Troilus, doff thy harness, youth. I am today the vein of chivalry. Let grow thy sinews till their knots be strong, and tempt not yet the brushes of the war. Unarm thee. Go, and doubt thou not, brave boy, I'll stand today for thee and me and Troy. Brother, you have a vice of mercy in you, which better fits a lion than a man. What vice is that, good Troilus? Chide me for it. And many times the captive Grecian, captive Grecian falls, even in the fan and wind of your fair sword, you bid them rise and live. Oh, tis fair play. Fool's play by heaven, Hector. How now, how now? 
for the love of all the gods. Let's leave the hermit pity with our mothers. And when we have our armors buckled on, the venomed vengeance ride, the venomed vengeance ride upon our swords, spur them to ruthful work, rain them from ruth. Fie, savage, fie. Hector, vent his wars. Troilus, I would not have you fight today. Who should withhold me? Not fate, obedience, nor the hand of Mars beckoning with fiery truncheon my retire. Not Priamus and Hecuba on knees, their eyes o'ergalled with recourse of tears. Not you, my brother, with your true sword drawn, opposed to hinder me, should stop my way, but by my ruin. Re-enter Cassandra with Priam. Lay hold upon him, Priam. Hold him fast. He is thy crutch. Now, if thou losest thy stay, thou on him leaning, and all of Troy on thee fall all together. Come, Hector, come, go back. Thy wife hath dreamed, thy mother hath had visions, Cassandra doth foresee, and I myself am like a prophet suddenly enwrapped to tell thee that this day is ominous. Therefore, come back. Aeneas is a field, and I do stand engaged to many Greeks, even in the faith of valor, to appear this morning to them. Ay, but thou shalt not go to, yeah. I must not break my faith. You know me dutiful. Therefore, dear sir, let me not shame respect, but give me leave to take that course by your consent and voice which you do here forbid me, royal Priam. Oh, Priam, yield not to him. Do not, dear father. Andromache, I am offended with you. Upon the love you bear me, get you in. Exit Andromache. This foolish, dreaming, superstitious girl makes all these bodements. Oh, farewell, dear Hector. Look. How thou diest! Look! How thy eye turns pale! Look! How thy wounds do bleed at many vents! Hark! How Troy roars! How Hecuba cries out! How poor Andromache shrills her dollar forth! Behold! Distraction, frenzy, and amazement! Like witless antlers, antics, one another meet! And all cry, Hector! Hector's dead! Oh, Hector! Away, away! Farewell, yet soft. Hector, take my leave. Thou dost thyself and all our Troy deceive. Exit. You are amazed, my liege, at her exclaim. Go in and cheer the town, wheel forth and fight. Do deeds worth praise and tell you them at night. Farewell. The gods with safety stand about thee. Exempt severally Priam and Hector. Alarms. They are at it. Hark. Proud Diomed. Believe. I come to lose my arm. Or win my sleeve. Enter Pandarus. Do you hear, my lord? Do you hear? What now? Here's a letter come from poor, from yon poor girl. 
Let me read. A horse and tissic. <coughs> a horse and rascally tissic. <coughs> so troubles me. And the foolish fortune of this girl. And what one thing, what another, that I shall leave you one of these days. <coughs> and I have a room in my eyes too. And such an ache in my bones that unless a man were cursed, I cannot tell what to think on it. What says she there? Words. Words. Mere words, no matter from the heart. The effect doth operate another way. Go. Wind to wind. There, turn and change together. My, my love with words and errors still she feeds, but edifies another with her deeds. Exit severally. Scene four, plains between Troy and the Grecian camp. Alarms, excursions enter Thersites. Now they are clapper-clawing one another. I'll go look on. Okay. So, that dissembling, abominable varlet's diamond has got that same scurvy, doting, foolish young knave sleeve of Troy there in his helm. I would fain see them meet that that same young Trojan ass that loves the whore there might send that Greekish whore masterly villain with the sleeve back to the dissembling luxurious drab of a sleeveless errand. <laughs> On the other side, the policy of those crafty swearing rascals, that stale old mouse eaten dry cheese nester, oh, oh. and that same dog fox Ulysses is not proved a worthy blackberry. They set me up in policy, that mongrel cur Ajax against that dog of as bad a kind Achilles, and now is the cur Ajax prouder than the cur Achilles, and will not arm today, whereupon the Grecians begin to proclaim barbarism, and policy grows into an ill opinion. Oh, soft! Here comes Sleeve and the other. And your Diomedes Troilus following. Fly not! For shouldst thou take the river Styx, I would swim after. Thou dost miscall, retire. I do not fly, but advantageous care withdrew me from the odds of multitude. Have at thee! Hold thy whore, Grecian! Oh. Now for thy whore, Trojan! Now the sleeve! Now the sleeve! Isn't Troilus ah. 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 What art thou, Greek? Art thou for Hector's match? Art thou blood and honor? No. No. I am a rascal. A scurvy, railing knave. A very filthy rogue. I do believe thee. Live. Exit. Oh, God of mercy that thou wilt believe me. But a plague break thy neck for frightening me. Huh. What's become of the wenching rogues? I think they have swallowed one another. I would laugh at that miracle. Yet in a sort, lechery eats itself. I'll seek them. Exit. Scene five, another part of the plains. Enter Diomedes and a servant. Go, go, my servant. Take thou Troilus's horse. Present the fair steed to my lady Cressid. Fellow, commend my service to her beauty. Tell her I have chastised the amorous Trojan and am her knight, by proof. I go, <laughs> my lord. Go, away with you. Exit, enter Agamemnon. Renew, renew, 
you, the fierce Polydemus hath beat down Menon, bastard Margerilon, glorious prisoner, and stands Colossus-wise, waving his beam upon the phased courses of the kings Ephistrophus and Cedius. Polyxiles is slain, Amphimachus and Thoas deadly hurt, Troclus tain or slain, and Palamedes sore hurt and bruised. The dreadful Sagittary appalls our numbers. Haste we, Diomed, to reinforcement, or we perish all. Enter Nestor. Go. Bear Patroclus' body to Achilles, and bid the snail-paced Ajax arm for shame. There is a thousand Hectors in the field. Now here he fights on Galath his horse, and there lacks work. Anon he's there afoot, and there they fly or die like scaled skulls before the belching whale. Then he is yonder, and there the stry Greeks, ripe for his edge, fall down before him like the mower's swath. Here, there, and everywhere he leaves and takes dexterity so obeying appetite that what he will he does, and does so much that proof is called impossibility. Enter Ulysses. Courage, courage, princes. Great Achilles is arming, weeping, cursing, vowing vengeance. Patroclus' wounds have roused his drowsy blood, together with his mangled myrbidans that noseless, handless, hacked, and shipped come to him, crying on Hector. Ajax hath lost a friend and foams at mouth, and he is armed and at it, roaring for Troilus, who hath done today mad and fantastic execution, engaging and redeeming of himself with such a careless force and forceless care as if that luck, in spite, in very spite of cunning, bade him win all. Enter Ajax. Troilus, thou coward Troilus! Exit. Aye, there, there. So, so we draw together. Enter Achilles. Where is this Hector? Come, come, thou boy queller, show thy face. Know what it is to meet Achilles angry. Hector, where's Hector? I will none but Hector! Scene six, another part of the plains. Enter Ajax. Troilus! Thou coward Troilus, show thy head! Diomedes. Troilus, I say, where's Troilus? What wouldst thou? I would correct him. Were I the general, thou shouldst have my office ere that correction. Troilus, I say, what Troilus? Enter Troilus. Oh, traitor Diomed, turn thy false face, thou traitor, and pay thy life thou owest me for my horse. Ha! <laughs> Art thou there? I'll uh, fight with him uh, alone. Stand, Diomed. He is my prize. I will not look upon. Come, both you cogging Greeks. Have it you both! Ah! Exempt fighting. Enter Hector. Yea, Troilus! Oh, well fought, my youngest brother. Enter Achilles. Now do I see thee. Ha, have at thee, Hector. Pause if thou wilt. I do disdain thy courtesy, proud Trojan. Be happy that my arms are out of use. My rest and negligence befriends thee now, but thou anon shall hear of me again. Till then, go seek thy fortune. Exit. Fare thee well. 
I would have been much more a fresher man had I expected thee. How now, my brother? He entered uh, Ajax hath ta'en Aeneas. Shall it be? No. By the flame of yonder glorious heaven, he shall not carry him. I'll be ta'en too, or bring him off. Fate, hear me what I say. I reck not, though I end my life today. Exit. Enter one in sumptuous armor. Stand, stand, thou Greek. Thou art a goodly mark. No, wilt thou not? I like thy armor well. I'll frush it and unlock the rivets all, but I'll be master of it. Wilt thou not, beast, abide? Why then fly on? I'll hunt thee for thy hide. Exit. Scene seven, another part of the plains. Enter Achilles with Myrmidons. Come here about me, my Myrmidons. Mark what I say. Attend me where I wheel. Strike not a stroke, but keep yourselves in breath. And when I have the bloody Hector found, impale him with your rep- weapons round about. In fellest manner, execute your aims. Follow me, sirs, and my proceedings I. It is decreed Hector the Great must die. Exunt, enter Mene- Menelaus and Paris fighting, then Thersites. Oh my God. The cuckold and the cuckold maker are at it. Now, bull. Now, dog. Lou, Paris. Lou. Now, my double hen sparrow. Lou, Paris. Lou. Oh, the bull has game. Where horned? Ho. Exit. Paris and Menelaus. Enter Margarillon. Turn, slave, and fight. What art thou? A bastard son of Priam's. I am a bastard too. I love bastards. I am a bastard begot, bastard instructed, bastard in mind, bastard in valor, and everything illegitimate. One bear will not bite another, and wherefore should one bastard? Take heed. The quarrel's most ominous to us. If the son of a whore fight for a whore, he tempts judgment. Farewell, bastard! Is it? The devil take thee, coward. Exit. Scene eight, another part of the plains. Enter Hector. Most putrefied core, so fair without. Thy goodly armor thus has cost thy life. Now is my day's work done. I'll take good breath. Rest, sword. Thou hast had thy fill of blood and death. Puts off his helmet and hangs his shield behind him. Enter Achilles and Myrmidon. Look, Hector, how the sun begins to set. How ugly night comes breathing at his heels. Even with the veil and darking of the sun to close the day up, Hector's life is done. I am unarmed. Forgo this vantage, Greek. Strike, fellows. Strike. This is the man I seek. So, so, Ilian, fall thou next. Now, Troy, sink down. Here lies thy heart, thy sinews, and thy bone. On, Myrmidons, and cry you all amain. Achilles hath the mighty Hector slain. A retreat sounded. Hark, a retire upon our Grecian part. The Trojan trumpets sound the like, my lord. 
the dragon wing of night o'erspreads the earth, and stickler-like the army separates. My half-sub sword that frankly would have fed, pleased with this dainty bait, thus goes to bed. Sheathes the sword. Come, tie his body to my horse's tail. Along the field I will the Trojan trail. Exempt. Scene nine, another part of the plains. Enter Agamemnon, Ajax, Menelaus, Nestor, Diomedes, and others marching. Shouts within. Hark! Hark! What shout is that? Peace! Drums! Achilles! Achilles! Hector slain! Achilles! The Bruitis! Hector slain and by Achilles! If it be so, yet bragless let it be. Great Hector was a man as good as he. March patiently along, let one be sent to pray. Achilles, see our tent. If in his death the gods have us befriended, great Troy is ours, and our sharp wars are ended. Exit marching. Scene 10, another part of the plains, and Hermes and Trojans. Stanho, we are masters of the field. Never go home. Here starve we out the night. Wow. Hector is slain. Hector, the gods forbid. Uh, Gods forbid. He's dead. And at the murderer's horse's tail is in beastly sort dragged through the shameful field. Frown on, you heavens. Effect your rage with speed. Sit, gods, upon your thrones and smile at Troy. I say at once, let your brief plagues be mercy and linger not our sure destructions on. Uh, My lord, you do... Discomfort all the host. You understand me not that tell me so. I do not speak of flight, of fear, of death, but dare all imminence that gods and men address their dangers in. Hector is gone. Who shall tell Priam so? Or Hecuba? Let him that will a screech owl eye be called go into Troy and say there, Hector's dead. There is a word will Priam turn to stone. Make wells and niobes of the maids and wives, cold statues of the youth, and in a word, scare Troy out of itself. But march away. Hector is dead. There is no more to say. Stay yet. You vile, abominable tents, thus proudly pite upon our Phrygian plains. Let Titan rise as early as he dare, I'll through and through you. And thou great-sized coward, no space of earth shall sunder our two hates. I'll haunt thee like a wicked conscience still, that moldeth goblins swift as frenzy's thoughts. Strike a free march to Troy, with comfort go. Hope of revenge shall hide our inward woe. Exit Aeneas and Trojans. As Troilus is going out, enter from the other side, Pandarus. But hear you, hear you! Hence, broker lackey, ignominy and shame pursue thy life, and live I with thy name. Exit. 
Uh, goodly medicine for my aching bones. <laughs> world, world, world. Thus is the poor agent despised. Oh, traitors and bods, how earnestly are you set a work and how ill requited. Why should our endeavor be so loved and the performance so loathed? What verse for it? What instance for it? Let me see. Full merrily, the humble bee doth sing, till he hath lost his money, honey, and his sting. And being once subdued in armed tale, sweet honey and sweet notes together fail. Good traders in the flesh, set this in your painted cloths. As many as be here of Pander's Hall, your eyes half out weep out at Pander's Fall. Nor if you cannot weep, yet give some groans, though not for me, yet for your aching bones. Brethren and sisters of the hold door trade, some two months hence my will shall here be made. Should be now, but that my fear is this. Some gold goose of Winchester would hiss. Till then I'll sweat and seek about for eases. And at that time, bequeath you my diseases. Exit. <laughs>